G Money. Yo. What's up, man? We back. What's going on? Took a, we took a break, a week break. A little bit, a little about a week break. Oh, they was they was down. They're like, oh, what happened? Flip the script. You know, I'm always happy when I can get away from you for for a couple of days. <laughs> oh, yeah, that is not nice. I'm, I'm oh, <laughs> no, hey, hey, is that from Zelda? Don't press no stupid shit like that. Nah, but what's going on? How you feeling, man? I feel good. I feel amazing, man. I think that um. You know, this upcoming months is going to be a lot of work for us. We got a lot of work to do. We yeah, have a uh, yeah. flip the script. You know, we trying to take it to the next level. Yes. How you feeling? What's going on, man? I'm good, man. A lot, lot going on right now, but nah. uh, but I'm, I am excited. By the time you guys watch this episode, you, you'll see that the picky eater recap is up right now. Recap, picky eater recap. Recap is up right now. See, you know, uh, we're going to recap season one and season two. Season three will be out September. Probably the second week of September. You know what I'm saying? We, mm. we pretty much finished uh, filming everything. So Wow. What, really? Yeah. We got like about two more episodes to film this week. And then uh, that's, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so huh? I feel good about it. We, we got some good episodes. I got some good guests on the show. You know, shout some guests on the show. Shout, shout, shout out to Sexy Stace. You know, shout out to, uh, shout out to Killer Kev. You know, <laughs> shout out, you know, I'm just, you know, just name, you know. Yeah. I ain't know about this. <laughs> but but, shout, out to, shout out to everybody. Shout out to uh, Michelle. Shout out to Space Ghost. Shout out to Basco. Shout out to the whole Picky Eater staff, man. I think it's dope, man. I can't wait to see it. I'm excited to see it. I'm really excited about you know that, saying? man. It's a lot of things going on Um, as far as like the next level of Flip the Script. Where we taking the podcast? Where we going, man? Where we going? Japan. Exactly. That's where we go. We're going to Japan. You know, and, That'd be and, nice. And, you know, it's just... I'm just excited, man. I'm just excited. I'm, I'm definitely happy. And I definitely want to shout out to everybody who helps the machine and keeps the machine running. It means a lot. A lot everybody. of people. Everybody. Ebok. Ebok. You know what I'm saying? Can't forget my man Ebok. Bacavelli. I can't even forget about him. <laughs> shout out to everybody uh, uh, along the way, too, we man. Gotta do, we got to do that. We got to do Ebok and pause. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, everybody along the way. A-King. You know, you know what I'm saying? Oh, A-King. Oh. Oh, <laughs> we just talked about him today. Shout out to Morris. Actually. You know what I'm saying? I, we saw Morris. He came to, He came by the joint. He, he, he came by the joint. It was happy. To, it, was, it was good to see him. Good to see him. For sure. Shout out to Space Ghost as well. You know what I'm saying? Space. You know what I'm saying? Every, everything has uh, everybody that helped move this movement along the way Maestros Maestros Mike Scott Mike Scott Mike Scott good guy man you, you know, know he's the reason that we got in here yes people don't know that he don't like when I say that but it's the truth yeah yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's my guy man I mean, he, he just lost in the playoffs though but you know so he's probably feeling a little crazy right now but shout out to Mike Scott he, you saw him did you watch it He, uh, yeah I see some of the games not all of them when you became cool with him, you started to watch his games. Yeah. I said, Jesus is a good guy, because I ain't watch nothing. <laughs> he was telling me, like, yo, Flip, he could play Flip. The only person I watched was Jabari Parker. No, I did watch some of Mike's games, but Jabari Parker. You watched him yeah, 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 yeah. He was nice. He and hit he his got, head on the he, rim. He got better after he came out. I thought he exactly. did show, right? You know what I'm saying? But let's get this started. We had, I guess, waiting long enough. Yes. G-Money! Yo. Hold on. You know. Yo, since we got <laughs> I feel I feel I feel I feel amazing. I knew you didn't know. I feel no, I did. I feel amazing, man. The next guest that we got in here, I definitely feel amazing. I feel that we'll get down to a lot of a lot of information. You know, mm. it was kind of a rock in the hard place getting him up here. I'm gonna talk about that a little later. Man. <laughs> but G Money, Yo. episode one six four, nigga, we made it. We got a special guest. <laughs> he looking shocked like, Yo, what did I just walk into? Yeah. What did I just walk into? What's going on over here? My man. He was outside. He watched a lot of people. You know, he was he was he was really in the field and in the mud. Facts. Hip hop, the hip hop cop. 
My man Derek Parker, round of applause one more time, please. Welcome, welcome. Yeah, 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 yeah. Good job, man. Yeah, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. Welcome to Flip the Script Podcast. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, man. Yeah. Um, first and foremost, let me shout out my man. Um, is it AGTV? Is it what it's AGTV. It's AGTV. Okay. Shout out to it's AGTV. You know, I've, so, I've, I've been seeing over the years. I've been seeing uh, so a lot of. Uh, Wonderful um, clips that he put out, mm-hmm. game changing. You know, I give him that. And um, I reached out to him on Instagram about you. I said, yo, oh, man, okay. I want to get Derek Parker. This is a while ago, like, like last year, sometime. Yeah, you know, January. January. Yeah. December, January. December, last year. And, you know, it took a while to get back, and then he responded, like, yo, you know, he tried to, he, he, he did a barter system, and I respected it. And then he just disappeared. Then he pops mm. again out of nowhere. He's a big guy. I don't know why he's disappearing and popping up, disappearing and popping up, <laughs> and he's dropping content. But I definitely want to salute oh, its AGTV, the fact for letting this, you know, for for helping us uh, put this together because we can't find, I can't find you on the internet. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? There's no content. I don't know. I don't know. But shout out to him, you know. And I want to salute you, and I want everybody to subscribe to its AGTV on YouTube. Follow him on Instagram, and yeah, yeah. No, no, no. You do you do, you do great work. You do great work. <laughs> no, no, no. no but right. it's, it's a big deal though and this, this is you know not every, not every other platform is willing to share you know a, a guest or you know set things up for another a different platform so it's appreciated you know what i'm saying yeah welcome how are you they said your mic is low i don't know what you mean your mic is low but... uh, i'm good everything's good, good. Can you yeah hear me? okay you're good yeah so for the people who don't know this this is how we do it up here we start off slow you know we don't speed into everything and ask you everything about we want to know uh, your history, you know, back in the days where you were born, your family. So tell us who was Derek Parker before the hip hop cop. Where were you born? Tell us about your parents and stuff like that. Let's take it. Well, know, my uh, I was born in uh, Bedside, Brooklyn, actually in St. John's Hospital, which is probably not around anymore, Atlantic Avenue, mm-hmm. in Bedside. Uh, mm-hmm. My father was a uh, marine. <clears throat> my mother was a uh, uh, teacher. And uh, my father also became a cop, sanitation cop. He was doing enforcement with sanitation. Mm. That was his career after he got out of the Marines. Uh, we had a lot of brothers and sisters. You know, we all grew up. Uh, we moved from Brooklyn because my grandparents lived in Bed-Stuy between uh, Ralph and Halsey, Hancock, around that area. And um, we moved to uh, St. Albans. Queens, uh, Queens, Queens, Queens. So I grew up in Queens most of my life. Uh, I was around when you probably well you guys would know this probably when they were busing people to school we had to get bused into white schools because we were you know St Albans Jamaica everybody had to get on the, the bus and go to Jamaica Ave mm. and then from Jamaica Avenue to Bayside either Cardoza right uh, Bayside or Francis Lewis so we all my sisters we had a lot of brothers and sisters so we all went to different schools but we all stayed together but everybody became you know civil service workers because my father always preached that he was like if you're not going to go and you got to go to college. If you're not, you're going to be a civil service worker, no matter what. Because mm. that's the route he took. And that's how he kind of stressed that with all of us. So my sister was a detective. My other sister was a, a um, correction officer. My brother was a correction officer. My other brother worked in the post office. Other brother worked in the post office. Mm. My other brother works for the Board of Ed. So everybody got good, pretty decent jobs. And, uh, you know, have families. And, and everybody grew up and, and did their own thing. I mean, I went on the police force because I grew up playing basketball. In O'Connell Park, if you know what O'Connell Park is, mm-hmm. me and Mark, well, Mark Jackson was young at the time, but his brother Kevin Jackson, we were always playing in the park like every other day. Mm-hmm. Uh, Big Archie, all them. We used to play 
and O'Connell growing up back in the days. And then, you know, I went to St. John's from, from Bayside, went to St. John's University, played in intramurals. I had a okay. team, had a good team. We had good ball players. <laughs> we took the whole school. We thought we could take the team. We lost to the, the law school. Mm. You know, I was the high scorer that day. But we had, we had a good team. I had a lot of Brooklyn dudes that, you know, went to school with me from, from Bed-Stuy, from Flatbush. Okay. And we all became friends, you know. So then I, I joined the police force and. Uh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. My, my fault, my fault. Uh, there you go, good job. My fault. Yeah, I was trying to let them go. You know what I'm saying? Oh, okay. So we, we want to get like the, you know, the, the inside before we jump to the okay the so cop stuff. Yeah, yeah. So let, let's go back to all right. You're born in Brooklyn, right? And then I, I'm, I'm interested in the Queens park. I'm from we from Queens. I want to right, know. Well, you know what I'm saying? I, I, How was it in Queens growing up? Like talk, talk about it. Talk okay. about Queens. And did you go to Queens with your with all your siblings, or was it just you? Or no, no, we all went to Queens. Okay, how we many you got, How many guys? How many were you? It was well, my parents were married twice and divorced twice, so it was like ten boys and four girls, in total. You know what the different marriages. Man, so I got okay. stepbrothers. But anyway, growing up in Queens was rough at the time because you know there were a lot of gangs back in those days. You know the uh, Savage Skulls, and I mean I could go back to a lot of different gangs, but Seven Crowns, Seven Crowns. Yeah. You know, I had a lot of cousins too that grew up in Queens. And a lot of my other cousins, you know, I had some bad cousins on the bad side, my father's side, that were over from Murdoch, not Murdoch, over in um, Keysville, Keysville, on the other side of Farmers. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I grew up with a, a lot of family, but I used to play basketball, you know, go to school. I used to hang out with my friends. We used to watch wrestling all the time. And, mm -hmm. you know, but the biggest thing was, you know, trying to stay out of trouble because, you know, in the neighborhood that we were in with all the brothers and sisters that we had, you know, we grew up fighting. My sisters were fighters. Let me mm. tell you something. My sisters were no joke. They grew up fighting other girls and fighting in the hood. So, you know, I had one of those families that was like, you know, some brothers were like salt, but I had my sisters always behind me. They always protective of me and, you know, my brothers. Okay. So, but Queen, growing up in Queens, like I said, it was more hip-hop. Uh, we used to go to the parties in the 192 in Hollis. I don't know if you remember that. When they used to have the speakers outside in the park. Park Jams. Park Jams. Yeah. I forget the name of the park. I think it was 192. It was over on Hollis, of Hollis Avenue. Mm -hmm. They used to tap into the power supply with the, for the lights. The street, and the, the DJ would come out. Yeah, yeah, everybody would come out. I mean, man. But we're we in our 30s, so I don't... Yeah, know, yeah, I'm a little older. I'm in my yeah. 50s, so... Now, I heard, you know, my dad DJ back in the day, mm -hmm. so I heard stories. He's from he's from 40 Projects, so... Yeah, 40 Projects. So my, I would hear the boy, stories about the, you know... My boy Sheldon was older than me, and he was from... From he lived right across the street from me, but he was an OG, so he used to talk to us about you know about forty projects and about all the dudes that ran the projects and stuff like that. Because he you know he had a kidney infection that caused him to die later on with dialysis, but mm -hmm. he was an OG back in the days. He knew a lot of people, and his sister Melba, you know, we all they knew everybody from forty. So they used to go to all the parties. I mean, we used to hang out, but me and my brothers would go to Fantasia. I mean, this is a club you probably would know about. Mm -hmm. We used to go to the city. We'd get dressed up, take the train, come home. We used to, no, we went to cars. You know, we, we used to like get old the cars and build them, try to hook them up because, you know, at that time you try to impress girls. Mm -hmm. But I have friends all over. I have friends in Hollis, friends in Brooklyn, you know, some people in the Bronx. So you're yeah. pretty good. You were a pretty good kid growing up. You ran into any kind of trouble stuff like that. You no, were just kind of, no, I never had that sports. Kind of thing. You played basketball into cars, you said. Yeah, yeah. I, I have know, a question. Call yeah. me, G. Being that your father was a military guy, right? He's a military guy. Mm -hmm. What did that do? How was his behavior in the home? Because I know a lot of people that grew up with parents that's in the military. 
you know, there's a lot of different up and downs in a home based off of personality, PTSD. Did he suffer from that? Was he in the military that long? Like, how was it in the home as far as connection? Was he was he distanced? Was he was he a guy you can go to or what? Like, what type of parent was he? My father was, he was like a ladies' man, you know. He was a good-looking guy. and <laughs> You know, he divorced my mom. And, you know, he was out. My father was into cars. Like, I like cars now, too. Okay. So he was into cars. He always bought a new car every year. And he went out with my uncle. They were, like, best buddies. They would go to a lot of parties together and, you know, hang out. And he was a Marine, so he ran a, a tough household. You know, if you mess mm. around, you got beat. There wasn't mm. no talking. He didn't play that. You know, he was he was kind of rough. Like, we, you know, my father, I remember my father built us bunk beds out of wood because we had so many in the household. He's like that, huh? Yeah, so he <laughs> went to the lumber yard and he bought wood and built us bunk beds. And my, me and my brother slept in the same room. He had the top bunk, I had the bottom because my other brother had the other room with my other brother. So there wasn't enough rooms to go around for everybody to sleep. My mother used to make beans. They used to call me beans when I grew up. Mm. Pork and beans all the time with Franks. <laughs> and, you know, but we had a lot of a lot of friends, and like I said, my father ran the household. Like you know, he he stressed college, he stressed civil service. That was his thing. That was his thing. He so. wasn't gonna let you go on the streets and be you know criminal. He wasn't get, gonna let you. He wasn't gonna let that happen. If he did, you would get beat at the police station. If when, he had to come there. When, when you were younger, though, like see now, like even when I was younger, certain way my parents disciplined me, I used to get upset. But in retrospect, I understood. Like now, when, as a adult, when you got. When you were younger, did you understand his strictness or like it's not until you got older or you always understood it? No, I understood it. He was Respect. just looking out for us. Respect. You know, he wanted us to be better than he was. You know, he only had a, a high school education. Mm. You know, he wanted you to go to college. He wanted you to be better. And, you know, parents always want their kids to be better That's than true. what they are, you know. Yeah. And it was a lot of us. So, you know, he had to keep the reins on everybody so everybody wouldn't drift off. Because, listen, it could have been me. It could have been my brother or my sisters. We could have turned out bad. We could have gotten involved in a gang, you know. We could have did a lot of stuff, but he, he wasn't gonna let that happen. So, 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 what goes on next now? You, you, you out here? You playing sports? You, you doing the car thing? Like, what was like your, your first job? Like, what was your first job? I guess what was the first job you had. I worked at Herman's World of Sporting Goods, <laughs> part time in the post office. I went in the post office too because okay. my father had a part time job in the post office. He worked two jobs because he had a lot of kids. So, I used to work as a, um, I think casual. They called it a casual. You would mm. just sort letters and. And I would go to school, but he didn't want me to mess up. I mean, I almost went to Brockport University with my boy Tony. He's in, he's in well, he was in Chicago. He's now in Dallas. But if I went to school with him, I never would have learned because this dude wanted to party every week. Mm. So, but he he even till today, he still hits me up on Facebook. My boy Tony Towns. He's he's like back in the days, me and him were just inseparable. You know, right. I was light, he was dark. We used to be out running around chasing girls. You know, but. He, his parents and my parents were cool. And, you know, he's from Queens. He's from Linden, on the other side of Linden in 203rd or somewhere around 203rd or 199. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he would come over. We would just hang out. But we were supposed to go to school together, but I got accepted to St. John's. So I said, I got to go to St. John's, right? Yeah, I go to St. John's. Mm -hmm. So he went to Brockport. But I know if I went with him, I probably wouldn't have graduated on time. <laughs> you know, because he was just a party guy. He was a good dude. He just, he got his degree and everything else, but he just... You know, at the time we were just, yeah, we were out there, you know, working, trying to, you know, chase women, cars, you know. Any things. celebrities that that were uh, that you knew when you were younger that became a celebrity later on? Well, I mean, I, I always knew like Run DMC because they were from the neighborhood around the way. Of course, of course. Um, a lot of DJs, man. Like we used to go, we used to go. I used to go to the Bronx to the Fever. Mm. I used to take the train, man. We used to go. My brothers, we went to a place called Fantasia. We walked. Everybody like, Fantasia. Like five miles, we walked. 
to clubs with suits on. Worried about you. We used to ride the trains at night, you know, not worrying about getting robbed because, you know, I had my boys with me too. So, and back then, you know, we were like, oh man, we're taking the train. My mother would worry that, you know, right. you guys going into the city, you going into the Bronx. Because how are we going to get there? We got to take the train. We didn't have money for a cab. There was no Uber at the time. Mm-hmm. So we used to take the train. We used to, and we, I used to be with all the, I used to always hang out with the rough dudes, man. I, I always had friends like that mm-hmm. that were from the hood that I knew that were always good with me. Like growing up, I always had guys that were like, I mean, names that I could call you now, you probably wouldn't even know, but guys that I grew up with with gang dudes and everything else. And, you know, I used to hang with them. And they used to be like, you know, you're my dude, man. And no matter how you are, they accepted me, you know? Mm-hmm. What junior high school you went to? I went to 158 in Bayside. 158. And then you went to high school? I went to high school. You know who went to high school with me? Eric oh. Adams, the borough president of Brooklyn. I know you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah me yeah. and him went to high school together. Which high school you went to? Bayside. Oh, you so. went to Bayside. So you went, everything was in Bayside. Yeah, because we got bust. Yeah. My mom sent me to elementary school, but that was the time when we were younger. They said, you can't stay in Jamaica. Oh, my brother went to Andrew Jackson. He got lucky. He stayed. But Why you can't stay in Jamaica? Because they said, there's too many of y'all. Y'all have to get split up. My sister went to Francis Lewis. My other sister went to August Martin. I went to Bayside with my older sister and my older brother because we were right in that line a year apart. Mm. My other brother, like I said, Francis Lewis, then John Bound. Everybody went all over the place because everybody couldn't go. They were saying, no, nah, everybody's not going to one school. Why is that, though? It was some kind of, it was, a, it was a, a big thing, like you said, with segregation back then. It was, the, it was the race riots. I don't know if you guys know about this, but I was around when he had the race riots in Bayside. We used to come to with the Jamaica bus and they tried to turn the bus over as soon as we got to like Bell Boulevard and Bayside. They used to try to turn our bus over. We used to fight them. We used to be outside of school, man, like mm. with all the white kids. You know, some of the dudes that wear the leather jackets with the Marlboro cigarettes that come around. Yeah. Because they had their own <laughs> gangs back then. And we would be outside and they would try to attack us after school. We'd have to like, you know, form a gang of our own just to be out in school, just to watch our backs. And try to, like, if we had the chance to get away, we would get away. But every time we went through Cardoza from Bayside, like, we took that route back to Jamaica, they were always waiting for us, turning over our bus, trying to throw rocks at the windows, sticks. Niggas, get out of here. They were chasing us. It was crazy back then. So When did that change, though? uh, Well, I think it changed in the 80s because that was in the 70s, back in the late, yeah, in the 70s. So I graduated... Let me see, 79, 80, because 82, I went in the police department, 1982. So it had to be in the in the late 70s when it, it stopped, like the beginning, you know, late 70s, because I went in college in 79, so it was in the 70s. Oh, really? What mm-hmm. college did you go to? I went to St. John's Saint- University. Saint John's University. Oh. That's crazy. You know what's wild, though? Mm-hmm. I, went, I went to Holy Cross High School in, in Flushing or Bayside, and the Bayside dudes used to get crazy on us on the bus, not the white, just get the, the black kids. Oh, yeah? On their, they used to get on the bus like, if you missed the first initial bus when the school come out, the next bus after that, if you was on that late bus, the Bayside dudes would get on the bus and just be wilding. Yeah. Like, come on in and try to rob people, try to jump people crazy. It was different, man. But back then, like I said, us, we were just more or less getting on the bus to go to school. We just wanted, we were listening. Our survival was to get home. Yeah, We sure. didn't know if we was going to make it home one night if one of us got killed or shot right. or mm-hmm. hung. You know, it was it was that. You think they were doing time. that back in the day? Like, hanging? I mean, I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just what I'm saying. I'm trying to. I'm, maybe I'm elaborating, but mm-hmm. no. If you got caught out there in the park at night, and you were a black kid back then, something could have happened to you. You know, mm-hmm. we went after you know after the sun went down, mm-hmm. or before the sun went down, we were gone. We got out of Bayside because it was bad then. But I had a, a little a white kid who was my friend that his parents liked me. We went to school. I hung out with him, but we never stayed. Past late, we never stayed late. I never. Did you have any uh, 
racial situation happen in, in school, like on, on Twitter? Yeah, all the time. In the school, we used to have race fights. In the schoolyard, you know, somebody would bring a knife in. You have to be careful. But we have fights. I got into a fight with a guy, man, a big white dude. I never forget we were fighting in the backyard. My sisters wanted to jump in. I was like, nah, I got this. Me and this dude, he was like a bully, you know, mm-hmm. one of those um, bully dudes. And me and him were not in, in the uh, schoolyard when I was young. So that was just the time. Did I always you- told people, you Things in the past, as they are in the future now, a lot of kids would never know what happened back when I grew up as opposed to when you guys grew up. Like did I tell you, my nephews that now. Did you Jesus. win that fight? or I won it. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure. I didn't, you know what it is? I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't, I didn't lose many fights because I had, every time I was in school, I hung out with the worst of the worst dudes, man. Mm. Like even on the basketball team, my dudes were no joke. From, okay, from okay. Elementary yeah. to junior high to high school. I hung out. My boys will tell you they were like, "The you don't know nothing." I had I had the baddest dudes in school that I was friends with. My boy Vanilla Webb, I remember mm. him. I remember his name. Mm. He he used to fight the zoo Genesis, a Spanish dude, and we be in school. Those dudes used to like go at it all the time. They would fight every day. I was like the peacemaker with them because mm. we were on the same team. But that's how it was in school. Nobody messed with us, man. Sound like me, man. That's how, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, you cool, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you good, you're a good guy. You're a good guy. Yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah, messes cool. with us. Let me ask you a question. What, what's your ethnicity? What's your background? Black and Cherokee Indian. My black parents Indian. are mixed. Like, you know, black. With Got little, it. You know, I, like I tell you guys, it's old school Cherokee. If you know anything about old school Cherokee, my uncle was like your complexion, right? But he has straight hair. Down. You know what I'm saying? Not braids. Straight. Oh. Like straight hair. Like, you know, like. I know you're talking about Like wavy, yeah. straight hair. Like straight. Mm-hmm. My grandmother was a dancer on Broadway. My grandmother was a uh, an actress and dancer on Broadway, and my father, my grandfather, was the mayor of Harlem. I don't know if you guys know that. His mm. name was Willie Bryant. What? Who? Ralph Cooper used to be big in the Apollo Theater back in those days. Mm-hmm. My grandfather was the mayor of Harlem. They, I got a, one of the reporters saw a picture, and he gave me the um, the actual um, printout, the um, newspaper what article. What was his name? Willie Bryant. If you look it up. He was considered, he was fair-skinned. You know, my mother was fair-skinned back in those days. It was different. Like, when you grew up with the zoo suits and, the, you know, everybody had, the complexion of black people was different back then. It wasn't like, like well, now it's mixed too. But back then it was more like, my even my cousins, like my my cousin, um, I forget his first name, but he's on my father's side. My father had straight hair, you know? Okay. But he's your complexion, you know? And... Uh, Growing up, that's the way it was. It was like Cherokee and Blackfoot Indian. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, we're talking about there's a Willie Bryant, right? Uh-huh. Um, it says he was the mayor of Harlem. They, that's my grandfather. They, they called him the mayor of Harlem, but they said that uh, he was a jazz player. To him, was he a jazz player? Not a, he's in a band. I know he was in a band. Okay, from yeah, what yeah. I remember, but he was also yeah, he was in a band. He that was my mother's father. Yeah, known as the mayor of Harlem. Yeah, that was him. Yeah, oh, yeah, snap. that was my mother's father. He passed away with a heart attack? Yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. I yeah, that, that, that was him. I mean, I never met him. Oh, wow. You know, but that was my mother's father. Okay. My mother grew up rough, too. <laughs> Listen, my mother's an only child. Well, she passed away, but she went to a boarding school at four years old. So oh, wow. my, my grandmother put her in school because my grandmother couldn't take, care, couldn't take care of her like that. She was on Broadway. My grandmother, when I remember when we were kids in Bed-Stuy, my grandmother opened up a rib shack around the corner from the house. She used mm. to sell ribs and stuff. She had her own business back then. You know, and my oldest brother lived with her. He stayed with her for the longest. You know, my oldest brother. Okay. Mm. He stayed because I was that was my 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 mother's first child, but my grandmother adopted him. Like she took him. That was like her child. Mm-hmm. You know, so he stayed with her most of his life. Wow. 
This is an amazing story about yeah your grandfather, but you never met him before. I never met him. I never met him, but uh, my parents were in show business. You know, my grandmother, guess, yeah, yeah, my grandfather yeah, in show business. So. so he passed away in Hollywood. Yeah, um, he was getting ready to come back to New York. Yeah, I didn't know. He much was about a well-known him. disc jockey, master right. of ceremonies. Right. And yeah. Yeah. And he was a theater actor. Because my mother's name was Dolores Bryant. Oh, snap. And that was his father. That was her father. He was acclaimed for his performance with Ethel Waters in Broadway production of Mamba's Daughter. Wow. He was a disc jockey for the radio station Whom early in his career. Mm-hmm. Now, my father, he comes from a big family, too. My grandparents lived right around the corner from each other. Hancock and Halsey on, on Ralph Avenue. Mm-hmm. So kids, when we were kids growing up, we used to go from one grandparent's house to the next. And my father, is, is a, he had seven brothers and two sisters so he came from a big family too mm. you know back then we had you know you had big families when we grew up now people don't have it anymore because yeah, you know, not can't so afford much it. you know what i'm saying you know a lot of kids you know you worry but back then we came from big families cousins you know family um uh you know you seen the um when Tupac was alive, Poetic Justice, yeah. when they had the the um family cookouts that's what we had we had like i got family in virginia in the down south, you know, yeah, yeah. that I don't even know. I don't even really hang with like that, you know, with right. my cousins. Hmm. So you go to college, and what made you want to join the uh, police force? Well, my father, he, he was instrumental in that. You know, he made me take the test. I took it. I wanted him to be proud of me. Hmm. You know, I passed it. I got high scores on it, so they called me quick. I, I think I was 20 years old. I just turned 20. And they called me. You could go on the police force young then. So it was great. I was like 20 years old. I think I graduated academy at 20 and a half. Mm. So I was a young cop. But here's the thing. When I came in the police force and going back to those days, I saw things that other cops, like my sister came on four years after me. She came on in 86. But my sister would never see the things that I saw between the period of 82 and 86 because we had the crack epidemic if you know about the crack coming in the low yes, 80s. Yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. So I got sent to Midtown South. I was, you know, walking to Manhattan on the beat, you know, 17th precinct, Midtown South, Midtown North. And then they sent me to Far... Oh, oh yeah, okay, I'll keep going. They sent me to Far Rockaway. Mm. So I'm Far Rockaway, I was like, wow, this is like no man's land out here. <laughs> I was a young cop. <laughs> I might have had two years on the job. And then uh, I was in the patrol car. Everybody had a TV because, you know, we'd be by the beach hanging out, checking out girls. And then... Uh, Back in those days, you know, we had the Red Fern Projects in Queens, mm-hmm. and we had um, uh, Edgemere and those places. That were rough areas, so Very we went in there. We went in there deep with six cars, you know. And uh, I didn't stay there long because, you know, all the bosses liked me because you know I had college. Back then, a lot of guys didn't have college, so they would put me in the desk to fill out the paperwork because I knew how to do all that stuff. I learned. I taught myself actually. I knew I wasn't going to be a cop forever, so. Back in 1984, I put in to be undercover with narcotics, and they wanted me. It was like, we want you. You fit right in. You look, maybe you could be Hispanic, maybe you could be black, you could be whatever. We need you. So I had long hair, afro, and stuff like that. I have more hair than I have now. So I had afro. <laughs> so I went up to the Bronx, man. It was a whole different world. Real quick, when you said you saw things in those four years, what what are you implying that I saw things in those four years? Okay. What, can you share with us what did you see that, that other people, Cops didn't see within what, those four years. What I saw was the job was, the job was an old school job. It was an old time. It's like, you couldn't do things without talking to an older cop. Like if you had to drive the car, 
the, the cop would say, I'm driving, you're the on the passenger side. Right. If you went into a store to get something to eat, don't go into the store. This is my my spot. You see what I'm saying? Sound like training day a little bit. Yeah, like it was like training day a little bit. <laughs> it was. And you know, you you know, they, you know, you don't talk to the boss without coming to me first. Like I if you have a problem, you come to me. If I can't settle it, I'll go to the boss and we'll settle it together. Mm. But old timers were like that. And then that was just that was just one aspect of it. But we had so many cops that came out. And a lot of the old timers, a lot of co young cops were overzealous. I had one of my, a Jewish guy that worked with me. I never forget, they told him that we had to slow down on summonses. Like, don't write any summonses because the job was going to some kind of uh, arbitration with the city for higher raises, higher money. Mm -hmm. And this cop said, ah, screw you guys. I'll do what I want. He used to wear a yarmulke, this Jewish kid. So they took his locker and threw it out the window and, <sighs> and, and took his clothes and everything, just burned his clothes up, everything. That's crazy. So it was, a t it was a different time then. And then... That was in 82, so then in 1984 now, I'm in narcotics. So I went from one world to a crazy world, like I was in another dimension. When I went to Bronx Narcotics, you had all kinds of cops, Spanish, black, mostly Spanish where I was at. Drugs were prevalent everywhere in the Bronx. Like, you know, I used to be an undercover, so we had an un undercover car that all of us would go out in, like four or five of us. And we'd get into a Volkswagen. <laughs> and we drive into like 192 in Jerome, Grand Concourse, whatever. And they would say, okay, go get out and go buy drugs. You got your training. Mm -hmm. You went to you went to narcotics school, go buy drugs. So you go on the corner, you buy two vials of crack, two decks of heroin, whatever, whoever's selling. So we got so good that the older undercovers were saying, okay, well, Derek, you guys and the new guys, we paid our dues already. We've been here a year, six months, and now you got to go out and do all these buys. Sometimes we would make five buys a day. And you have to remember who you're buying from. Okay, I bought from that dude mm -hmm. with the shoes on his hat, that guy with the Lakers shirt, this girl with the red, because you have to write JD red shirt, JD John Doe, so-and-so. So we would go in places, and it was scary, man, because I would go into apartments that a lot of people would not go into, bro. I, mm -hmm. I had some Dominican dudes. i never forget. I went to an apartment, and every time I went there, the dude pulled a 44 Magnum on me. And he got to know me that the boss would say, yo, that's my man. What are you doing? Like, stop pulling the gun out on him. And I used to buy kilos of coke. And in the Bronx, we used to have teams that we used to go out and get drugs. We would have, like, we would have a contest. Who would get the most keys in one week? So we, I was just with Jose. And me and Jose used to go out. And Jose was straight Puerto Rican. But he looked like a drug kid. He was skinny with gold chains and stuff. We used to go into places, man, because they spoke better Spanish than I did. I wasn't fluent in Spanish, you know? But I used to go with him. And we would go in places, man, and we would come out with, because kilos on consignment. You know, 40,000 for a key. All right, 32,000. I'll give you six keys, but you got to pay me on Friday. All right, I'll see you on Friday, man. And we roll out tire shop with tires. We roll out kilos in the tires, take them back, and the boss was like, You got six keys on consignment? The guy didn't ask for no money? Nah, we cool with him. Mm. You know, because we would buy from, we bought, we bought them up. We bought like, we bought like an ounce, then we bought two ounces, then we bought a half a key. Right. Like, Two cops came on with me that died, and I remember them, two black cops, right? We were all in academy together. Myron Parker and a guy named, um, what's his name? He was in the 6-7. Uh, I got his face right in my head. He got killed. You could probably Google it up and see it. Um, he was another Parker. He got killed in a shootout. Mm. But Myron went with me on the bar. I said, Myron, you sure you want to go with me, man? Because you look a little nervous. He's like, D, come on, man. Like, I can roll with you. I said... I go into certain places, man, you got to be, like, I had a Walter PPK. I always had my Walter PPK 380 with me because it wasn't a cop's gun. You know, we had 
undercover guns. Mm. So I said, look, I'm rolling, man, but you got to be careful because where I'm going, you know, you can't flip, you can't, you know, you can't, you know, bitch up or whatever. So we got to be cool. You got to be cool. I went to the apartment. I threw like $5,000 in this guy's couch. The dude was like, yeah, man, come on. I got dinner for you ready and everything. We used to have dinner together, eat with the guys. I mean, I mean, I was undercover at the time. This dude was like, Derek, I can't believe we're doing this, man. Like, this is crazy. Like, this guy's got to pull the gun on me, man. I'm ready to be in my pants. I said, just chill. Follow my lead. So we used to chill. And he's like, yo, I don't know how you do this, man. He goes, because, you know, we used to have a ghost with us. We had a guy ghost us. Mm-hmm. Like, if I go in an apartment, there's got to be undercover, like, down the hall or waiting outside somewhere in the building to make sure if something happened and we called the panic button, the, the troops would come, you know? Mm-hmm. One day I got thrown down the stairs on my own team. They grabbed me and they threw me down the flight of stairs, man, with handcuffs on. I was like, yo. And they said, Derek, we had to make it look good. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I had handcuffs on and everything. I was like, oh, man, when I got him, I was like, you guys try to kill me, man. But we used to have bets. And some of the cops I worked with were bad cops. You know, what I mean by that is that the sad part was I had a black girl who worked with me from Queens that used to ride in every day. And she had a drug problem. And we were in the car. And the sad part about it was that this girl used to always, I was young, I was like 20 something years old. I drew, I drove a black Trans Am Firebird. It was my first car I was able to buy. And she and I drove in and this girl would be doing coke every day. Cause I always thought she was drinking with her man. I never really paid attention, you know? Mm-hmm. And then one day she told me she, like there was some checks that got stolen in the office, in the Bronx office. And then there was three girls. It was downtown Brown. It was this girl, Julie, who was Puerto Rican. And this girl, Peggy, who was white. And they said, Derek, we know this girl is your partner. We know she took all that money. We're going to fuck her up. And I was like, excuse my French. I don't mean to curse on, on okay. the air. Um, so I was like, uh, I'm not with her like that. I drop her off. I pick her up. We really don't even hang out together. She has a, a boyfriend or something. She always tells me she's with. Plus, I was young. I wasn't paying attention to her. I was going to house parties with Run DMC and Hollis. I was going to black, the red light parties, mm-hmm. trying to pick up girls. I wasn't worried about this girl. Mm-hmm. So she told me she had a drug problem. And then... She called me one night and told me she stole the money. I had to call my lieutenant, man. And I, and I said, look, I told her to resign because if she didn't, her father was a cop. It would He worked for the mayor's detail. It would have been so embarrassing for him that his daughter got this drug problem. But she needed help. I know she needed help. And mm. I said, look, I've been riding with you too long and either you're going to get me killed or you're going to get yourself killed or you're going to be out here with somebody doing something. And then in the office, we had other cops that stole money. They were selling bulletproof vests. One cop sold the gun. So, you know, I and B was all over everybody back then because it was it was the Bronx, you know, and the office was fast paced. Like my captain would come in, he'd be like, How come ain't nobody in the cell? I said, Captain, it's only one o'clock. We don't go out till one, two o'clock. And we we go out we go out like one and we're back by five with all the prisoners, six with all the prisoners. Because that's when the overtime used to start. And we were coming with a hundred prisoners, man. We would bring a hundred people in, and then we had so many prisoners in the cell we couldn't we couldn't put them all in. When we went to Central Book and we had a line. The line was around the corner, mm. and every, nobody would run back then because if a guy ran on you, he would get beat. So he know he wouldn't run. But you know we used to pick up food for the prisoners. You know, one of the dudes. I'll tell you a real funny story. I went. We went to a uh, a racket. We called it a racket. One of the guys got promoted, so they have a promotion party. Mm-hmm. So they brought the prisoner to the party. Only problem was, it was a strip club, and the prisoner was acting crazier than the cops was. Give me more singles, man. I got this girl on my lap. And then the captain was like, who is this dude? And the guy goes, he's our prisoner, man. We, we, 
you brought your prisoner to the, the, the to the party, and yeah, then yeah, those guys got in trouble, man, because the, the prisoner was cool. He was like, he was just a little too loud. But back in those days, you know, when you arrested some guys so many times, you got to know them. And mm. not that you're friends with them, but he knew he was going to jail, so he's like, yeah, you know, you want to stop off and get something to eat? All right, I'm with you guys, you know. I'm going to go to Central Booking anyway, so. You know, they would be out, but. You know, that's the way it was back then. Two things. Uh, first, uh, Myron Parker, he got killed in an accident, car accident, right? He got, his, yeah, he got ran over. Ran over. Yeah, he, he, he intoxicated. was he, somebody that was intoxicated. Some toxic kids ran him over. He was on, he was like an accident on, on the Cross Bronx, which is, or the Deegan, mm-hmm. which is the worst place to get out on, and he got killed. And I think it was Richard Parker, he got killed with his partner in the 6-7. We were all in the academy. It's us, Erie. We were all in the academy together, three of us. And it was only three Parkers. And it was me, him, and him. And 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 um, and, the, and the other question I got is that mm-hmm. do you, are you aware of any cops that was letting people go, letting people go, like when they locked you up they let you go like well I'll tell you a, a really quick story we were, we were in the Grand Concourse one time and we hit a spot on um, the Grand Concourse on One Eighty Third Street everybody started running so we were in the car and the, and the two guys pull up to the, the investigators we had investigators and undercovers they would pull up in a white a blue Ford and everybody started running. So they took out a two-by-four, hit the guy. The guy fell right over the divider onto the middle of the street. That's the wrong dude, man. Oh, sorry. We get back in the car. We leave. Oh, man. <laughs> but the guy, with the, back then, the guy knew he was guilty. So he was like, yo, I got to pass because I they didn't catch me. I had drugs on me. But the cops didn't get me. But we couldn't get him because he wasn't. He was in with the crowd. But we didn't sue him make a hand-to-hand sale. So we couldn't arrest him. Right, right. But I was in a spot in the Bronx and down in the 4-1. It was in... Um, Alexander, 141 in Alexander, I'll never forget this. There was a woman on the corner with a heavy overcoat on. And it was 90 degrees. I said, why is this woman wearing an overcoat? But she was a heroin user. So she hooked me up and brought me to the spot. It was a line. It, it went around the stairs on the projects, bro. I had to go up the stairs. I got to the top. She, the, the other dude brought me to the top. The guy goes, yo, why are you bringing those people to my front door? He goes, this is my man. He's all right. <laughs> Give him whatever he wants. I said, Sarge, when you hit this spot, Everybody's gonna run. Everybody. Mm. People ran, ran out the building. The girl we captured her because she brought us over there. Took her coat off, man. Her arm was wrapped in um, plastic. She had, it was ulcerated. So we took her to the hospital because when you get a prisoner like that, you got to take them to the hospital. So we took her to the hospital, and they go, uh, they got to cut her arm off. So the, the, the detective said, "Yo, man, I'm gonna kill you. Why did you buy from her? You could have bought from somebody else." I said, "She was the only one out mm. that was selling. I was bringing you to the spot." And he said, I got to stay with this woman now for like 24 hours until she's a prisoner, hospital, hospitalized prisoner. And he was mad at me. I said, listen, man, that's part of the job, you know? Let me get, let me, let me talk to you real quick. Did, did you ever have to get dirty, man? Like, come on, let's cut, cut the, cut the, the cool. Like dirty, we mean like dirty. Dirty, dirty. No, no dirty no. is dirty. Come on, man. I never got dirty, dirty like that. Dirty, dirty. Come on, man. Dirty. I'm, I'm, be, I'm dirty. being honest with dirty. you, man. No. Dirty, you undercover, Derek. man. You've seen a lot of stuff. Have you ever had to get dirty, Derek? Yo, I've seen, seen a lot of things, man. I was asked to do certain jobs that I didn't want to do. And I didn't want to go. But, but you had to do it, a.k.a. Yeah. Be, get dirty. Not dirty like that. Not in the dirty sense of what so, you're talking about. So what dirty do I mean? <laughs> you talking about dirty like maybe planting drugs on somebody, right? Or shooting, that, putting a gun on somebody, robbing them. Maybe dirty like that. No. Did, did I, you have to do that for the sake of your job? No, no. But don't get me wrong. It, it came close where some people wanted you to sniff coke. And we used to have like a, a thing. We used to like, you know, when they wasn't looking, and we throw it to the side because as soon as you ingested coke, you'd have to go 
soon as you got back, you have to tell the boss, and then he had to send you to the hospital for a medical evaluation. Uh, so how much time I was cool. To... I was always a good talker. How much time you had to ingest coke, Derek? No, I didn't ingest Derek, come on. I'm being honest with you Derek, guys, It's me, Derek. Don't let me go the corner, Derek. It's me. How much time you had to... I'm telling you, I did. One time? Were the guys in my unit that did? One time? Once? No, no, never. Were the guys in my unit... His face is... Were the guys in my unit that did it? Yeah. Yeah, they did. You never had to... You never... for the. You were undercover. You were in the inn. You were in there with the guys that you were trying to take down. Probably big drug dealers. And you mean to tell me that you can't... You didn't do anything that might have compromised who you are today. Like, you didn't do anything for the sake of the job. No, listen. I, don't even, I had to smash thing, a girl. I had to go no, clap somebody. All type of crazy <laughs> stuff. The, only, the only thing I did, too, that my boss got mad at me about was the dude that I bought a kilo from. He was beating his wife. And I, was, I just happened to come in at dinner time. So I stayed in the apartment a little too long and had dinner with him. And my boss was mad at me because he said, Derek, you're not one of these people. You got to remember... Yeah, even though you're a minority and you grew up in, in, in the neighborhood, this is not you. I, we worry that you're in this apartment for over an hour. I don't know if these people caught you. They're torturing you. They're doing I said, no, nah, it was my fault. I had a beer with him. He, he was, I was trying to tell him to calm down, don't beat his wife. He made me steak. His wife was a good cook. She made me beans and rice and steak. And Yo, what is wrong with this? I know. It's like, I listen, it was, a, it was a different time so, back then. So you were you know? guilty by association. You watched him beat his wife. No, I, I didn't run his wife. His, his wife wasn't like that. No, did you watch him beat his wife? No, he was. He hit her in front of me. And I was like, yo, you can't be doing that, man. Come on. Like, you know, I didn't want, I was making a drugs deal, so I didn't want to compromise the deal. This guy goes to jail and the cops come and raid the house and they're going to lock me up too because they don't know who I am. Understood. So, but I used to go to the Jamaican spots. I used to go, listen, I went on, on <laughs> in the Jamaican crazy. places, man. And buy, yo, a guy took me in an apartment. I bought so much weed. This dude has so much weed in his house. I was like, my man. How much weed do you have? He said, yo, man, come to the refrigerator. I went to the refrigerator. He had weed all in his house. I was buying pounds of, I would come out with shopping bags of of uh, marijuana. So you buy the drugs and then what you do with it? Voucher them. You have to take them back to the precinct and voucher them. Okay, but then when do you guys take down the people well, that you bought dude, from? Well, this dude, when you get a major case like that, you want to buy them up. So you have to remember, you have to get a certain weight for it's a felony. Like in drugs, if you buy an ounce, you got an A2 felony. If you buy more than two ounces, you got an A1 felony. Most bosses want to, DAs want an A1 felony because the guy's looking at 15 or 25 to life, you know? And you could bargain. We had a guy that we bought, we, we bought, man, a Colombian dude. He got us 600 kilos from the Colombians. And I wasn't, I was part of the team, but I wasn't the one dealing with him directly because I wasn't Spanish. So I couldn't, I couldn't deal like that. I could go. I was in a car where I had $50,000 on me and the dude behind me in the backup car had a shotgun. He said, Derek, anybody goes to that car, and tries to rob you, I'm blowing them away. You know? So your life depended on, you know, your partners and people backing you up. Don't get me wrong. We, me and Jose went in places. We had to fight our way out. Uh, some guys tried to rob us, especially when we were in Woolworths on the Grand Concourse. They said, where are you? We said, we fight that Woolworths. Some dudes tried to jump us outside of the Woolworths. We fighting them. But we had our guns on us too, on too and they locked them up. But, you know, it was a different time back then. Did you, did you, when, when, when you played undercover, how many guys... Find out you were a cop after? A couple. Because I had, when you have to go to trial, like a major case trial. Like I had a guy who, who, the dude I bought the key from with his wife, when he saw me in court, he said, yo, man, you was just doing your job, right, Mike? I said, yeah, because that was my name, Mike. I uh -huh. said, yeah, man. He's like, all right, man. He was cool with me. He said, you was a good dude, man. I kind of liked you. Like, 
That's crazy. And you was a cop because, you know, I was cool with him. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was buying him up to get him a key, to get a key Coke. Did you ever give anybody a hint that you was on to them? Like, did you ever did you ever like any, honestly, did you ever like end up being cool with somebody where you're like, yo, man, I'm police, man, get, ahead, get out of Dodge. <laughs> When I was not that get out of dodge, oh, oh, oh. Not, not get out of dodge. Oh, God, Let's go. No, no, no. <laughs> hey, hey, Derek, chill out. <laughs> Who you helped out, Derek? No, no. Don't lie. No, no, when I was, you helped somebody. I told them, G. <laughs> you know, you can tell. Look, when I was in, when I was in Brooklyn now. Oh, oh. Oh. Okay, let's go a little Talk further. About when I left Brooklyn, I got. I was go. the only dude on my team that got sent to Brooklyn. Okay. So everybody said, "What did you do wrong? Who did you piss off?" And I said, I didn't piss off anybody. And they said, well, it's close to home. Well, you're in Queens. You're going to the 7-5, East New York. Mm. Now, you guys, if you don't know about Brooklyn, you know about East New York. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. Linden Houses. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, I go back to Glaze days, the days of Glaze. You know who Glaze was? Mm-hmm. Brian Gibbs Glaze, those mm-hmm. days. I was in the 7-5. It was different. Now, that was, I was thrown into the fire. What I mean by that was, as soon as I got to the squad, they were like, listen, kid, get a suitcase. Pack some clothes. You'll probably go home in a couple of days. You'll probably eat when we eat because all the old detectives had dinosaur pins. And I was a young, I was the only one, there was only an older black guy and there was me and him. And it's one Spanish guy. Everybody was white. And they were like, listen, this place right here, see that sign? You give you 22 minutes, we give you a homicide. That's the way it is here. He said, all that narcotic shit, that's behind you. You in the real world now. So I was like, oh, shit, I'm in the real world. I'm in the East New York. So mm. back then we would go out and people got killed every day. We had 128 homicides when I was there Wow! in one year. So you could imagine me driving and going out every day to just seeing that scene. And, you know, you get to know people. It's like when you work the Bronx, you cultivate witnesses, you start talking to people, you get to know people. And so, people know you're onto them. So, but you so don't, who, so you who did you, you who compromise. did you get cool with that you told to get him out of there? Come on, Derek. No, no, you, you don't. Some Derek. Don't do that, Derek. I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you guys. You I, know, I, know you know about you. I know about you, Derek. Nah, don't do you know, that. Don't you, hide it. You might tell a guy you're onto him, but he might say, you know, I'm gonna get you one day. I ain't gonna get you today, but I will get you sooner or later. I had guys like that. Does like, anybody that you like that you wanted to have, like that you that you put on, like yo, look. Is anybody that you'd like that you saw that you might have arrested before and then you built a rapport with and you might have saw something to him that was different? Not that you got paid off or anything that you told, like, yo, look, when we own you, you need to get up out of here. Because we're going to get you. Nah, uh, from what I remember, no. The only guy the only guy I can remember that, he was a former of mine, was he hooked me up. He was a big-time dude in Brooklyn, and he became one of my informants. And he hooked me up with, like, 10 guns. I, I took 10 guns out of these dudes in some apartment in Bed-Stuy. And I was always good with people on the street, you know, like in the bodegas, the Spanish, the black dudes, all of them. So he was, a, he used to be at all the big dice games back in Brooklyn in those mm-hmm. days. They had all the big games where they used to, he would be in the gambling spot. These dudes would be winning 50,000. But major players were at these parties. I'm talking about, if you ever see this site called Tell Them Blanco Sent You? You ever see that, that site? No. There's a, there's a website called Tell Them Blanco Sent You. Okay. My friend gave it to me a long time ago. It's about all the old school dudes that were the kingpins back in the days in Brooklyn. I heard that in a song before, I feel like. If you if you run it, tell them Blanco Central, it's a, it's, a, it's like a website. Mm. And it tells you all the old school dudes back from Brooklyn. You know, dudes from Linden Houses, Pink Houses. Um, uh, man, there's so many dudes in Brooklyn. Um, the, the worst part was when, when I was upstairs in the 75 Squad, yeah, and you guys it. heard about this, Michael Dowd 
was downstairs in the, in the precinct. He's the most corrupt cop that they had. The white dude that mm-hmm. did a um, HBO special about all the drug dealers. Now, I didn't know him, mm-hmm. but I knew the detective that took him down because we worked upstairs. And we never really talk. Uniform cops and detectives don't really mix. We have our own little crew, you know? Mm-hmm. They just, you know, help us out. We get to know some of them, but we don't hang out with them like that. It's a rarity. But this dude, was a, this dude again, was with all the big players in the, the poker games, dice games. So I had him on some big drug cases and, and a couple of shootings. So he became real cool with me. And he told me a lot of stuff about a lot of people, you know? There were some things that he did tell me that I couldn't really move on or mm-hmm. go out and do because I didn't want to blow him, blow his cover, because he could have got killed, you know? And uh, he helped me with a lot of stuff. So you saved him, basically? I, I kind of saved him, yeah. Okay. If you want to say that, yeah, back in those days. Like, I, I didn't tell him to get out the apartment and on to you, but I kind of protected him so he wouldn't get in trouble. Like, if he did something wrong, he would tell me, and we would cover it. Like, you know, like, because he was an informant. So mm-hmm. I can only protect you if you tell me what you've done, and I could go to my boss with it and, and tell him, look, he did this, but we got to overlook it <clears throat> because he's still working for us. You see what I'm saying? I mean, you know, this was years ago. I don't know why you, you know, you're trying to make it <laughs> seem like you wasn't out there, you know, actually helping people out, Derek. No, you know I wasn't. I, I, it's okay. I, it's okay. It happens, D. I had a good rapport with people on the street, man. I, they even the, ba- I even, the, even the bad guys. like. Even the bad guys, man. Like some of them, if you arrested, I was always fair to people. I wasn't one of these dudes that brutalize people or, okay. or beat them or go do this. There was a there was a one dude that I never forget. He was doing a lot of robberies. He shot a pimp back in the old days, and I was on to him. He was my one. I fixated on him because he was annoying because he kept shooting too many people, hmm. and he kept coming up on my desk every time he said. So I said, I got to get this guy, and I got him. And you know what? The worst part about it was, as soon as I hit, I busted him. He gave me a dirty cop. And that was the worst thing. When you have to do a case like that, because my IAB gets involved, the chief, everybody wants to know who's this dirty cop, what's he doing. Not everybody wants it on my case, because there's one dude I busted, said, look, I'll make a trade with you. You try to help me out on my case, I'll give you a dirty cop. And of course, back in those days, you know, a dirty cop is worth a few pounds of gold. You know what I'm saying? So how did you help him on his case? Well... He got, instead of him getting 25 to life, he got 12 to 25 because he had to testify against the cop. The cop got 33 and a third to life. What did what was dirty about the cop? They killed the guy in a liquor store. They went to, the, the cop was what, a Spanish cop. What's his name? Cabeza. They called him Cabeza. I can't think, I can't think of his name back then. They were in a um, a liquor store on Tompkins Avenue in Bed-Stuy and they shot a, um, it was a black dude who used to hang out in there with, the, with, an, Asian, with an Asian guy who owned it mm-hmm. and uh, the cop went in with the guy, the guy I knew, and they shot up the place and killed the owner. So the black guy saw their faces, and then Spanish guy, this cop said, yo, he's got to go, he saw my face. So they shot him, thinking they killed him, but they didn't kill the guy. He lived. Mm. So the cop played, tried to play it off. He even came back to the scene with his dog, saying, hey, what happened? Because he lived in the neighborhood. And we got, you know, when this guy gave him up, that was all the bells and whistles. Everybody was like, okay, Derek, you got a big case now. We want in on this. Because everybody wants to bust this cop, you know? I Especially IB, Internal Affairs. They so his name him. is Cabeza? That was his nickname. I can't think of his... I can't think of his real name off, offhand right now. Okay, and what year was this? Back in... Let me see, I was in the squad in 90... 89 to 92, somewhere around there. But he mm-hmm. got 33 and a third to life because he... he, he, he uh, 
his robbery and the homicide of the um, Asian guy in the store. You know, mm. so that's how the case got cracked open when I busted this guy. Mm. You know, I don't like taking a lot of cops with me. Like when we do raid, like if you go looking for a suspect, I never mm. like taking a lot of cops with me because they spoil the, the they spoil the fun. And when I'm, I'm not saying it's always fun to go after somebody, but I went to a spot where I had to lock a guy up, right? And he was in Harlem. So I caught his cousin in Brooklyn, and he pulled the same trick on me that his cousin pulled before. He would hide in the closet, put all the clothes on him, and he would think nobody would know him. So all the cops that came in with me on the detectives that ran the team with me, she goes, he's on the roof. And they all ran to the roof and left me in the apartment by myself. Hmm. So I looked at her, and I said, he ain't on the roof, because there go his shoes right there. And then I went over to the closet, opened it up, and I just took, put my gun inside the clothes. <laughs> Come out right now. And he said, yo, man, don't shoot me, man, don't shoot me. And I said, come out now. And he, I said, your cousin pulled the same trick in Brooklyn. And sure enough, I, I pulled him out. And then when he got to court, he said, I beat him. I did all this stuff to him. He lied, tried to lie. And did say, you ever beat anybody before, Derek? No. I put a guy's head <laughs> on the window once. When I was wrong. He, this guy cursed me out so bad he was just so annoying because he was drunk. Mm. I didn't hurt him. I just closed the window down in his head a little bit. So little he would just shut up. But I didn't hurt the guy. I mean, he was just, he, you know what got him? When I told his wife that he ruined her car. I was a rookie cop. Mm. I said, you know what he did? He just crashed your new car up. She goes, what? When I, and I said, I'll drop him off at home for you. I dropped him to his house. It was in Far Rockaway. Mm. His wife came to the door with a broom and started beating the crap out of him. And that was so funny. I laughed. He said, see what you got me into, Parker? I laughed. <laughs> his wife kicked his ass. I left him right there with his wife. He broke my child. Yo, this guy, he was, you take the cuffs off of me, I'm going to kick your ass. We're going to go outside. We're going to have a street fight. He just wouldn't shut up, man. I was like this. You ain't, and, the, and the dude was paralyzed. He was crippled. I mm -hmm. said, who are you going to fight? My partner was like, Derek, some, he said, he's just getting under my skin. He just, he wouldn't stop talking. So I put his head out the window, just closed the window on his head a little bit so he could yell outside. <laughs> he was like, yo, man, you try to brutalize me. He was lying. Nobody heard him. His wife heard him, though. But, you know, when I went to Brooklyn, Brooklyn was a whole different world, bro. But hold on, hold on, Derek. One last time. Oh, here we go. <laughs> he chugging. He clean, man. Nah, nah, nah. Nah, I wasn't. I was good at that, escaping that, man. Don't. I could have been this bad dude. Nothing, Derek. About. Nothing, Derek. Bro, I was in. I was in some really bad situations that I got out of. I what was, was the worst situation you was into? I the was worst. in there. The guy with the forty-four mag, man. When I went in there, and the dude put the gun to my head, because I had another dude with me, and he was a Jamaican dude. And he rolled in the apartment with me, and the guy put the gun to my head. He had a forty-four Magnum. He's like, yo, who sent you here? How'd you know about my apartment? And I said, yo, man, come on, man. If you're going to be with this with the gun, I ain't coming back. And then the boss came out and started talking to me, and we started talking. Mm -hmm. Dominican dude. The guy with me was like this. He was so scared, man. He, he went back. He said, Derek, I can't go out with you no more, man. I can't do this. Here's my, I can't take it, my nerves. He goes, I can't do this with you. He said, that guy had a gun to your head. He was going to shoot you. You ever wore a wire? Yeah. So you mean to tell me even with even with women you you know you know. What do you mean with women? With women. <laughs> Yo, Derek, chill out, man. Like I'm gonna have to get at you, Derek, because I don't feel like you being honest with your boy. Let's go. Let's you go. ain't take down no women either. Uh, did you did you did, did women give you uh, favors to let them go, Derek? Come on, stop <laughs> no, playing. no, I wasn't into that. I wasn't, man. I'm, I'm just being honest. So you clean, clean. I'm clean, bro. Like a whistle. Clean like a whistle. 
Nothing. There's nothing that you say. You're Nobody can up. say nothing dirty about me in the job. Okay, I can. We can't find it. We can't find we it. We're gonna find it. We're gonna see in the comments though when we post it up. They're gonna well, see you it. can. I mean, no, I mean, in the I comments don't... of this show when we post it up, if if somebody that's you know that that know you, they go. They for might sure. know me, but they're never gonna say that. Like he was well, dirty. No, nothing sure. dirty at all. No, nobody's gonna say that about me. But the most would they? What, what would the most somebody say about you if they did dislike you? <sighs> he was all right, but I don't mess with dudes like him. Like he's a cop, you know, like. I, even though, well, we didn't get into the rap industry yet. Yeah, we'll, get after, we'll get into yeah. that. But a lot of the people might say he was a fair dude. Like, he was always okay. fair. I was never one of them dudes that was, like, out to get a guy unless it was a real problem. But Understood. I was never like that with people. I was always fair to them. You, you caught, you busted, you got to do your time, bro. That's Understood. it. You did, know? You, did you ever have to go against another cop for some, doing something wrong? That you may have thought was immorally correct, or mm. you may have to stop him from Yeah, an I didn't like a cop beating a, a, my witness or my suspect, like get involved in my case, like because you know I got to answer for that. So mm-hmm. if I want, if anybody's going to beat him, it's going to be me. If I got to go to court and, right. and testify or whatever happened later on, I don't want a cop. And I don't like cops getting into a room with me. Sometimes the, the worst part about some detectives, when I'm talking to somebody, I like to talk to them one on one. Right. I don't like an audience because. Cops interject a lot of questions while you're trying to question somebody, and mm-hmm. mostly the the key to to doing a good job with with people like criminals and stuff is knowing. The more knowledge that you have of what they've done and where they're about, like, or well, I won't get into the case because we're not there yet. But there was a dude in Harlem that I I brought him in, and he said, "Yo, man, you know so much about me." I had him picked up to bring mm-hmm. to my office by the FBI because I wanted him. Wow, I wanted to talk to him. You know. So, did you ever um? Yeah, G. Did you ever experience anything firsthand, like the George Floyd, Floyd case or anything like that? You know, well, back, I, back then. I'll be honest with you. Back then, when a suspect got out of line, he got beat. There was a lot of cases where George Floyd ain't nothing to what the stuff happened years ago mm. when I was on the job. Mm. I mean, I, I mean, but it was equal opportunity. It wasn't just blacks, right? Because I went to the Who concert one time, and some guy took was creative. He took the police barricade and he flipped it up and tried to run up the barricade to the first section without paying or without going through. And, and the cops caught him. So when he came down, he attacked some old lady, some hippie kid. And I know the mounted cops were worse back then. They rolled up in the horses, and I, the guy disappeared. I said, where did he go? One cop had one hair in his hair. The other guy had his clothing, and they rolled off with him. And they beat him up, and he's blood all over the place. And they said, there's an ambulance. Go right there. But back in those days, you never had that kind of problem when a guy got his beat. My uncle, when I went to Bed-Stuy, I'll tell you guys when I was in Bed-Stuy, the first guy I arrested for beating his wife up, he goes, yo, man, is your uncle Marvin Parker? I said, yeah, that's my uncle. He goes, your uncle, and Rodney, what about Rodney Parker is your uncle? I said, yeah, that's my uncle. I said, my, my uncle Rodney used to get beat a lot by the cops, especially in Brooklyn because he was a heavy drinker. He's deceased now, but they said, yo, your uncle is no joke. He wore high-top high converses to the prom with a black suit. And Ben Stuy, he said, your uncle's a legend here. He goes, you're on the street. Your uncle was fighting cops and everything. I said, yeah, I knew that growing up. My father always told me. My, he was my younger brother, my father's younger brother. But he was the wild one of the family. So mm-hmm. he took a lot of beatings from cops, you know? So, you know, you get to see things that happen. But back then, it's not like it is now. People would never get out of line like this, you know? Mm-hmm. We had respect, too. You know, like, I had a kid in Bed-Stuy diss me on the street one day because he was with, in Bed-Stuy with a bunch of dudes. So I, me and my partner Pete were in the car. We had an unmarked Chevy. I pulled over. I said, yo, Pete, wait here. I went in, out, and I went right through the crowd and grabbed him by his collar and threw him in the car. 
Hmm. And then I took him away. And they're like, where you taking him, man? Where you taking him? You can't arrest him? I said, shut up. He's coming with me. So I drove around the block with him. I said, yo, don't you ever play me like that, man. I said, I bought your grandmother milk and bread and come into the house looking for everything for you and you're going to try to be tough in front of your friends? Nah, Paco, man, you know, I got a rep, man. I can't let you just roll up on me like that. I said, yo, but I wasn't even bothering you. I was talking to somebody else. And you started getting all crazy, inciting the crowd. So I took him around the corner, and I had to talk with him. I didn't beat him or nothing like that. I just had to talk with him. Did you ever beat anybody? You ever had to beat anybody, Parker? No, not really. Oh, come no. on. I'm being honest with you, man. Like, nobody to slap, a punch, nothing? A punch, yeah. A punch, maybe, but nothing crazy, crazy. Like, What's, A punch is a punch. What do you mean, nothing crazy, crazy? Like, I would, you know, like, if I had a guy and I had to, I, I had, if I had a guy and I had to wrestle with him or something, I'd take him down quick because, you know, you don't want to be wrestling with nobody in the street, man. Come on. <laughs> you know, why you trust that? You don't want to, you put the bells on, right? You ever headbutt somebody, anything? Choke no, somebody? No, no, man. I wasn't like that. I never had it like that. I was like, don't get me wrong, I had to arrest people, and sometimes you had to throw them on the ground and get a little rough, but not to beat people like that. No. And But did you ever stop another cop? That's what I asked you earlier. Did you ever stop another I, cop? I did at one time when a cop was beating a guy up, and I said, look, man, this is my prisoner. I don't want you to harm this guy like that. I finally, like I told you, I'll t the guy was being disrespectful, and he got the guy's goat, you know, and the cop got mad. You know, I'll come and kick your ass, and come, come, white boy, come. And next thing you know, he wanted to go in the cell and go upside this dude's head, but then I got to deal with this because I got to take them to Central Booking and they're going to say I beat them. Yeah, facts. Mm -hmm. I got it. And I don't want to. I don't want to have that on my record. So, you know, I I said, look, I'll deal with the kid. You know, I, I shut him up. You know. And how did you shut him up? I talked to him. And he chill. <laughs> you guys, you 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 probably went the cop. You went here is different than I am. You no, 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 we know we want you. I we was old you. school, but we I was I, I had a good team of guys with me. Respect. When I, when I went into the car in Brooklyn with my partner Sullivan and her name, mm -hmm. we were feared, bro. We used to come out there and they say, yo, Parker, when I know you here, it's a body. It's homicide. Because I used to ride with two guns. My partners had two guns. Yo, Saquon. I remember him, Saquon from the Lafayette Gardens Projects. Back in the days, he probably mm -hmm. don't remember us. But my partner Richie ran. That dude grabbed the, the, the chair like, don't shoot me, man. Because we, we were out with him. I caught some, the funniest story is I had a Jamaican woman who came home with her boyfriend, just came home from, he's a West Indian dude. She was eight months pregnant. And you know what he did? Bumper clod, boom, shot her in the leg because she was annoying him, talking too much. That woman came out the hospital, came right to the precinct. I will never forget, it was like a Saturday morning. We were watching Abbott and Costello or something on TV. She came in. She goes, look, man, I'll give you everything about the bun. He shot me in the leg. I want him. I want you to catch him. And he killed two people in Queens. Really? Come on in. Would you like lunch? And we're going to order you lunch and everything. So the lady stayed with us. She went into the store with us. She hung out with us from 10 o'clock in the morning to 3 a.m. 5 the next day. We got into a shootout with this guy over in Brownsville because he was coming up with a sternum with another guy. And there was two detectives that came from Queens, and I'll never forget. We called them Ken and Barbie. So back in those days, cops in Brooklyn didn't like cops in Queens. We called them Queens Marines. Cops would come up. This guy had a tight suit on, and this girl had a long Barbie hairstyle. And they're like, yeah, um, we want to know what's up with that case in, in Queens because we have it. So my partner Pete was like, you didn't want to deal with this lady. You didn't want to talk to her. You, you, you guys kicked her out of your office. Get the fuck out of here. And he slammed the door in their face. 
they were so mad. He locked the door so he couldn't come into my office from the from the from the outside the stairs. They called their captain, who called my captain, and my captain called me. Derek, what happened? Why, why did you disrespect them? I said, Captain, it wasn't me, but not for nothing. We caught this this guy. We had a shootout with him. We got the gun. He got shot in the leg or whatever. Some of the cops missed, so my, my sergeant was like, you guys need to go back for training because you should have blew this guy away. But we caught the gun. Everybody in Brownsville was like, look at the cops, man. They got this poor guy in the street. As soon as we opened that door panel, bingo, there's the clock. And we had him. But the girl stayed with us all day, and these two detectives were pissed at us. They were like, you and your partner, who the hell do you think you are? We were like, click. We don't want to hear it because this woman came to you for help, and you turned her away. It was two white detectives. Back at that time, they turned her away. They, you know, because sometimes people think, you know, they think everything is just nonsense. But in Brooklyn, we were like, okay, it's an interesting case. Why don't you come on in? Let's have lunch. Hmm. And, yo, know, the nicer we treated her, the more information she gave us. He killed a guy in London, killed two people in, Brooklyn, in Queens. He shot some guy here in Brooklyn. Okay, that's all we need to know. Anything else? Were you able to put that case together, the bodies together? Were you able to match it? Yeah, but the Queens guys finally got him. They had to go to Central Booking and take him out and bring him back to the, for a lineup in their case. But we got him. You know, we got into a shootout with him, so he wasn't going nowhere. But um, the funniest case was, and I'll tell you, this is another funny case. Did you shoot anybody? No. No. I had my gun pointed at people, but I never shot anybody. Okay, good. Funniest case. I had a guy. Do a, there was a robbery in Brooklyn on Atlantic Avenue. <laughs> the guy was driving, and he had a white beard. And he was, ho, ho, ho. Mm-hmm. So the people go, the black guy got in the car with him. It was a black guy got in the car with him. He was a cab driver. He said, you need a ride? The guy had, the guy jumped in the car. So the guy goes, I'll put the heat on for you. Never forget the man's name. His name is Eddie Polo Castro. He looked like Santa Claus. He pulled up. The dude pulled the gun out on him. He said, give me your money, old man, or I'm going to shoot you. So the guy said, here, you want this? You want this? And what about my pocket? Yeah, give me that too. So he took the gun out he had in his pocket. He was a, a war veteran. Bam! And he kills the guy. Takes him, throws him out in the street, takes off and goes back to Long Island. <laughs> so now I talk to people in the neighborhood. Parker, man, the dude looked like Santa Claus. One girl told me, I said, Santa Claus? Ain't no Santa Claus around here. I said, he can't be from this neighborhood. So we finally figured out what happened. It was like a bunch of kids doing robberies on Atlantic Avenue. From the other side, which is um, like the seven seven side, Utica, Brownsville. Yeah, I know you're talking about mm-hmm. coming in the best side. And I found out who this guy was. I went out to Long Island and got him. And this dude had about a hundred guns in his house. He had ammunition and bags on the floor of his house. We had a warrant to go in his house because the detectives in Nassau said, "No, we're going to go in his house and we're going to take SWAT with us." So we, we we captured the guy. We brought him in. He got away with the murder because. It was self-defense. It was just that he left. The DA felt sorry for him, and my sergeant felt sorry for him. The guy cried. The guy laid on the table like that, man, and he cried his eyes out. I didn't mean to kill that guy, man. He was either me or him. I'm a World War veteran. I've been in a couple, you know, he was like 70s, I guess, at the time. But we felt sorry for the guy. My sergeant took him fishing the next day. They went fishing together. You know, the guy was just like, I didn't want to kill the guy, but he was either me or him. And we knew this guy had did a couple of the robberies. Because when we arrested him, people said that he had robbed other people. But the, the case went up. It's like, well, who's your perp? You know, perpetrator. Santa Claus. And we took a picture of him with the beard and everything. Everybody was like, yo, you locked up Santa Claus? <laughs> so so was there backlash from that situation? No, people were sad. Like, you know, why did you lock him up? You, that, guy, that guy tried to rob him. The law says 
it, we have to investigate it. We had to arrest him. It's not for me to let him go. The DA's office decided not to prosecute him. So that was that. So you went to you went to the Bronx, then you went to Brooklyn. You was undercover doing a whole bunch of crazy stuff, right? But not really doing crazy stuff. But you was, you know, what was next? You guys, this is a long story, man. <laughs> well, okay. After I left Brooklyn, I, I mean, not Brooklyn. After I left the Bronx, I went to Brooklyn. So I was in the seven five. I told you about that. You said that. Mm-hmm. I went to the eight one precinct in Bed-Stuy. I stayed there for approximately nine years. I was on a homicide team, but me and my partner Sullivan, Richie Sullivan and Terry Manane and Pete, we always had big cases. Like some of the dudes that we arrested were tied to drug kingpins or they were committing murders, multiple murders. Mm-hmm. So my boss said, you guys are the homicide team. So we worked different hours. It was two, it was me and Pete, Terry and Richie, or the three of us together. Because the older detectives that were there, they were like, we ain't chasing nobody, man. We're like 50-something years old. I ain't chasing these dudes. They were old school detectives. We were young, 30s, whatever. So we would be out hunting. That was our job. We'd be in a blue Chevy with no hubcaps. And we'd be in East New York because some of our bad guys would take us into East New York or into Brownsville or into Bed-Stuy. But we would latch on to the feds. So we got involved with ATF, especially Richie and me, ATF agents or DEA. DEA never liked going to Brooklyn, but FBI, and we would go out, and we start hunting guys. Like, we got this guy locked into, like, four murders, and he's into a drug king conspiracy case, like this kid Glaze from East New York. He was he killed a lot of people. Um, so, Richie, my partner went after him. My partner, that was his case. But Glaze got arrested. He was a bad dude back then. But we also had these cases, man, because they would just come back into the hood, you know, like they would come into Bed-Stuy where we were, or they would leave from Bed-Stuy into Brownsville or to East New York. So we would be on the homicide team, we would go out, and we go out to some bad dudes. Like, a lot of dudes knew us back then. I mean, we were fair, but they knew when we came around, we came around to get people. Mm-hmm. There was no joke. We were looking for this guy, we were looking for that guy. And it was the three of us. we ride in the car, and we roll up. Like, you know, Terry was like, you know, we call him General Zod, like Superman. Mm-hmm. And Richie was like the hunter, and I was the guy, the negotiator, like, you know, to talk. So, because I was the only black dude that was in the car with them. Mm. It was the two white dudes and me. And when people saw us, they already know. These, if these dudes are here, they're not here for no bullshit. They're here for something big. Because we walk into Brevoit, um, Sumner Houses, Pink Houses, you know, Linden Houses. Brownsville, we used to be in Dumont. You know, we go over there, we going after some bad dudes, you know? So we did the homicide team for a while. Then while I was there, the first case that came across my lap, the commissioner called me. He said, Derek, do you remember about a case? At a, I was going out to clubs a lot, hanging out. Mm-hmm. So he goes, you remember this case with the group guy? I said, yeah. They, they were Their bodyguard got killed in a club called the Continental, I think it was. It was in 51st and Lex back in the 90s. So the commissioner said, yeah, you knew about that case. I said, yeah, he was, um, the body, the bodyguard from what I remember was a little too pushy, a little too like physical with people. And he got into beef with somebody and that's when they weren't searching people right. And they shot him in the club. It was Guy's bodyguard, the group mm-hmm. guy. Um, it was bad too, cause you know, back in those days, one of, one of the cops in the precinct that I knew, he was tight with Teddy Riley them. And he got involved in something. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this, there was a shootout in Pittsburgh with New Edition and Guy backstage. Mm. And I think New Edition Guy 
if I remember this right, because Eric B and I, Eric B and I became friends later on. Like I'll tell you about that. But you know, shout out to Uncle E. Yeah, yeah, yeah we got they got into a, uh, a shootout backstage, and I think the new addition guy shot the, the goop from guy and killed him. And the Pittsburgh police were all over it. So they call, he called me and he said, Derek, I'm in trouble, man. I'm bodyguard and these dudes, I'm moonlighting. And these dudes, wanna, they want to they wanna mess me up with NYPD. I said, look, man, you better come back because they didn't like you anyway. Because this guy, <laughs> he used to drive an M3 to, to, to work. And everybody said, Derek, how this dude driving an M3? He's a, just a cop in the precinct. He had an M3 BMW. You know, back then it was like a fancy car. It was like an 80, 90, whatever. But nobody, I, I drove like a regular Chevy or something. He had a... A BMW, but um, you know he got caught up with something, and then, you know, the commissioner said, you know, you know a lot about this rap music stuff, man. You into this stuff? You know a lot of these cases, because a lot of the guys in Bedstock, Brooklyn, were attaching themselves to rap groups when rap groups started becoming big, like Big Daddy Kane, mm -hmm. and you know, you know, like Eric, well, Eric B back in the days, but not him so much, but the Brooklyn dudes, like Supreme Magnetic. Supreme, me and Supreme Magnetic know each other very well. He, you know, Supreme Magnet is all right with me. We were cool with each other. He got a bumper sticker on his car now. I break for kids. <laughs> but yeah. back in the days, he was he was the man. He was in, you know, running the streets. I heard. And he ate eight. So, you know, you get to know all these guys. So, um, we, he said, Dirk, you know a lot about this rap stuff. So, what happened was that my lieutenant was a good guy. He went, There was a new unit being formed called the Cold Case Squad. And he said, Dirk, you know, you locked up a lot of people here, you know. I'm taking only you with me. And I was like, me? Why didn't you take Jimmy and these other guys? He goes, that guy's good for parties and he's good for cooking, barbecues, but I want results. I want to go into this new unit and make mm -hmm. a splash because it's about old murders. So I went into the Cold Case Squad, man, and uh, that was crazy because we had carte blanche. We were traveling. As soon as I got in there, the chief of detectives pulled me to the side. He goes, Derek, come here. Don't embarrass me because the police department was going to a, a fight. They were going to an organizational problem with mm -hmm. the chief of department and the chief of detectives. The chief of department was this guy, Louis Anamon, Louis Anamon, and he felt that the chief of detectives wasn't catching a lot of people. And he was pissed about it. There was a kid named Sleepy. Never forget this kid's name from like Flatbush area. And he had, we had a comp step meeting. And he said, you telling me you haven't caught this kid yet? Five years he's been on the run? Hmm. Are you kidding? The chief would yell. He, he was like, he wasn't the type of guy that would talk to you nicely. If he felt you were you weren't doing your job, he embarrassed captains and chiefs, you know? Mm. So he said, I'm forming this new unit, but there was a big fight. So the chief detective said, look, don't embarrass me, man, because I looked at the teletype of all the detectives that got assigned there, and you were one of them out of 40 detectives in the whole unit. And my partner even, my ex-partner Sutherland said, the only guy that's worth their weight and salt is you and maybe two other guys. Where did they get all these other people from in this unit? Mm -hmm. I said, they picked them out, you know, from transit, from missing persons. They wanted a complete diversity of guys. So they sent me to the Brooklyn team, of course, because I knew Brooklyn. So my partner Pete took a picture of me with a shopping cart with homicide folders in it and sent it to the chief to mess with him. You know, and then the chief said, you're not going to embarrass me, are you? I said, Pete, why would you take a picture of me in a shopping cart with case folders? Because, you know, he was a jokester. Yeah, I understand. But people weren't joking about that. They were like, Derek, you're going to embarrass me because I know how you are. You're going to go to this unit and make an impact. The first year I was there, I cleared 23 homicides in one year. Because hmm. I had a couple cases. I hooked up with an ATF agent. I said, Derek, we got some Dominican cases. You want to end on it? I said, yeah, let's do it.
We were up in Washington Heights, Queens. I was taking out the Dominicans. They, they were having all the drugs and all the, the, the homicides. They were cutting people up, chopping people up, throwing them out on the highways, throwing them into the water. So we went out, we locked up a lot of people, man, and we just went after a lot of um, drug dealers, major drug dealers that were committing murders because, you know, they were territorial. I know what you're thinking because I can see your face. You're looking at me like, did you take any money? Did you get money? No, 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 no. <laughs> no. I, I, I have to ask you, who's the big drug dealer you took down that you were the part of taking down? Well, these dudes, man, was, uh, wow, back in those days, they were the Ortiz brothers. They ran Bushwick, okay. and they had, like, this dude Franklin. I never forget Franklin Frias. He was a, a, a murder-for-hire guy. He was a little dude, but he had a bad temper. Mm. One day they sent him on the job to uh, 139 in Broadway to retrieve, like, some money for a kilo that was purchased. So when he got up in the car, he pulls up with the guy, and the, and the guy was talking. He was like this. <laughs> and the guy said, I'm not paying you or your boss. Pow, pow. He shoots him. He goes, yo, man, you talk too much. So the guy goes, why'd you shoot him, man? We ain't going to get the money now. He said, mm -hmm. well, too bad. Now he's dead. <laughs> so it was so funny. I hooked up with an ATF agent. So I knew the Ortiz brothers were bad dudes. They took out. They killed like five people mm. in Queens. Uh, Queens, Washington Heights, mostly Queens. I had Queens with them. So me and Mike Santori, the ATF agent, we were riding around in his Ford Explorer getting these all these Dominicans. So the funniest thing about me, when I latch onto a case, there's always, it, it's like a, what do you call it, a chain, a caboose. I said, Captain, uh, he goes, Derek, what's up? I said, I got about 25 homicides. What? Are you? My captain's hair was like turning white. He's like, well, are you kidding me? Like, what are you talking about? I said, look, I got like, I talked to Franklin. He just gave me 10 murders. I said, when I went to go see him, he started throwing chairs in the cell. And I said, wait, 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 wait. The boss already gave you up. He already gave you up. You and Michelle, the girl who's cooking the crack. She was pissed. She goes, I spent three years in jail for nothing. I could have been out sooner. I said, yeah. But what happened was that Franklin gave me 10 murders in East New York. And Bushwick, he did. Say yeah, I shot ten people. I'll tell you everybody I killed. He knew everybody, so believe me, I was writing everything down. Mm. So my what, 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 what did he want for it? He no, he blew trial on one murder. The feds didn't want to take him on the other murders because they said, "Well, he's in on twenty five now, so he's probably out now." Because most of the guys he killed were drug competitors, you know. So I was working the club one night, and I was like, "You see me in the club sometimes." I was in the club, and one of the dudes showed up from Brooklyn. He said, "Yo, Derek, what's up, man, Parker?" Remember him? Remember he chopped that lady up and put her under the steps? Oh <laughs> so the promoter goes, Derek, you gonna let him in the club? I said, well, he did his time. What can I tell you? He's like, he's a customer. He's like, you gonna let him in? Are you serious? He was pissed. He was like yelling at me. I said, Adam, try, relax. I can't tell the guy. He did his 20, 18 years, whatever he did. And he got out for the murders. He cooperated against the, the boss of the gang. But he was part of a lot of gangs. You know? But, um, there was a lot of big name people that I I spoke to, and it wasn't just in one borough. It was in Manhattan. It was in Queens. It was in the Bronx. Mm. Did you ever come across anybody from the Supreme team or anything like that? You know what? A little bit, but I wasn't so much with the Supreme. They had a task force already signed to that. This one guy I know, I think his name is Pat. He had that case. He was pretty much dealing with the Supreme team. Um, I was involved somewhat of it when they killed. The cop in Queens, Eddie Byrne, mm -hmm. mm. and I was in East New York. So some of the, the bad guys that came, that killed, excuse me, killed Byrne, were from the area I was in in the seven five. So we had to go pick to help pick them up. 
I got assigned to a task force because then when you kill a cop, everybody gets pulled. Okay. I want the best of the best. That's what the chief said. I want Parker. I want this guy. I want these guys. I want those guys. These guys. I want twelve guys of, of my guys that I I'm picking to go after these dudes. And how did you, How did they get the guy that killed the cop? Um, how did they find him? From what I remember, there was some information that was given up by somebody who got arrested. Somebody told. Yeah, that led to it. But they 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 had some information too. I don't know if they had a witness mm-hmm. at the time, if I remember. But they did a good job in, in catching everybody and then, you know, getting everybody to turn because those guys did a lot of years in jail, you know? What about Fat Cat? Did you have any dealings with a guy? No, nah, I, I always knew about Fat Cat, but he wasn't on my radar at the time. You know, okay. there were other guys dealing with him. I was dealing with other guys Got it. that were bigger, you know, in my opinion, especially gotcha. Spanish guys. I had some real dudes that were moving heavy weight, but remember, they were part of a drug organization where they killed like 10 people, so... That sort of outweighs Fat Cat killing one guy in the corner. I'm not saying it's not a priority, but it wasn't at the time. It was more that. I mean, you seem like you're trying to let your nuts hang because you told me you dealt with guys bigger. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I don't know what that means, bigger. What do you... What do you... Well, bigger, big, bigger, what I mean is like, bigger in the sense where they were more... Um, they were more out there. <clears throat> they had more international ties oh. to other countries, Got other it. cities. Got it. You know, things like that, so... It was something like who was the biggest drug dealer that you came across? The to, biggest the drug biggest. dealer. And had a lot of power. A lot of power. There was a guy named Cesar Gonzalez back in the days. He was big from East New York. Hmm. Cesar you know? Gonzalez. He was a bad dude at the time. Well, he is now, I don't know. but What made him bad? He, was, he would uh, threaten cops. I'm going to blow up your house, blow up your car, kill your wife. Really? He, was, uh, he used to try to take cabs into the precinct. The cops would stop him, beat him. Put him back in the cab, tell the cab driver don't come back in, and then went to the precinct. What do you mean take cabs to the precinct? He would first drive his car. He had a he had a, a Mercedes. He would drive a black Mercedes. <clears throat> Everybody knew his car. He would drive through. Cops would see him, pull him out of his car, beat him, lock him up. He'd drive through another day, take him out of his car, stop him, beat him, lock him up. So why the cops kept beating you know, him? Because he was threatening the cops. He was selling drugs, sh- shooting people, committing you know violent acts. And then he was threatening the cops. So cops got tired of him, and they said, you come back to this precinct again, we're going to be waiting for you. Mm. And you know, he was bold at the time. He would come. But he hung out with a lot of big people. See, one thing about these guys, these drug dealers back in the days, they were hanging out with a lot of big people in the entertainment industry back then. They were all Because I was on to this dude, and I said, oh, really, he rolls with that guy? He rolls with this guy? You know, names, so, you, names you don't want to say. No, I can't really say. I don't want to blow anybody out like that. But I'm just saying he he rolled with some big entertainers that are very famous in hip hop, right? In hip hop, yeah, I can imagine. And, and you know, he he went around to a lot of places, and I said, hmm, this guy's got a lot of ties. But going back, going back to where I said in the Cold Case Squad, when I had that murder with the guy guy's bodyguard, that sort of propelled me into this Cold Case Squad. And then when I got in Cold Case. I could do whatever I wanted. I was in the Brooklyn team, but I was clearing homicides, but then I had special projects. So my boss said, look, I want Derek back for special projects because this way he can go into all the boroughs and take what cases he wanted. But remember, the only bad thing about police is that we had to fight with a lot of them to get cases. They would, some guys would try to hold it because they don't want to be embarrassed. Like, let's say I go into a precinct and this person got killed. Hey, where's the case folder? I don't know. I can't find it. Mm-hmm. And they would hide it from you. So... You couldn't get it because you could embarrass them. Because, look, it took 
10 years on a case to solve it, and you're going to solve it just like that? Well, I got an informant who I just turned on a bunch of murders, and he just told me that he killed this guy too. I want to get the case folder, look it over, match up what he says, and close that case out. A lot of people want closure. There are a lot of family members that got killed, you know. But First of all, give him a round of applause for, for diverting from the Cesar Gonzalez. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty good, good with you. You ain't better than me. You're pretty good with you. Man. You did the whole, the, the, the biggest diversion so, in the yeah, world. So Let's go wrong. back this way because you didn't want to mention people. And I respect that. I can respect that. You know, yeah. I'm your cop. And, you know, well, you was. And, you know, but some honor to you because I was going, I'm, I was about to get you. <laughs> but you you played it well. You went back like that. I'm just letting you know I peep everything, Derek. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I peep. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He's a cultural yeah, right there. He, cro he crushed over. You know, you talk about the guy that went to the police. I just Googled this guy, actually. Uh, he was a drug dealer out yeah. there in 1994. They got yeah. it, you know. Yeah, I just Googled him. So, so I'm telling been... you about real people. Yeah, yo, you mm -hmm. are, but... I right. saw what you just did. I'm on Some names I got to protect the innocent. I respect this. So, so the cold case... You solved a lot of murders in the cold case? Yes. So then where did we, what's the transition to the, what's next? Okay, the, the chief got me because, okay, okay, here's we get into the nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. Tupac and Biggie. Mm. When, when Tupac got killed first, I had told my section boss, who was Inspector Amundsen, I said, look, this is a problem. And he's like, Derek, they don't kill people in rock and roll. This is not your job. Stay out of it. You're doing cold case murders. This happened in the West Coast. I said, Inspector, this is going to come back to us. This is a war about to start. I was monitoring it from the start because I already talked to some people I knew, people that were telling me things, informants. I already knew it was up. So I said, okay. I remember Angie Martinez crying on Hot 97 when Tupac got killed because mm. I was home. I was listening to her, and I felt sad, you know, that this had to happen like that. But I knew it was on Las Vegas. It wasn't in my jurisdiction. But... So what happens, I called to Vegas and spoke with them and told them about the case, but the Vegas detectives didn't really know much at the time. And mm. they didn't trust the police. Not me, so to say, but they didn't want to trust LAPD. Not, well, not LAPD, I think Inglewood PD. Let's put it that way. Or possibly guys in the LA Police Department, LAPD. So Tupac gets killed. It's a big case. I went out to Vegas the next year, there was a, a fight with uh, Mike Seldon, I think, and Mike Tyson at the MGM. So they wanted me to come down. Somebody, some people knew who I was. They were like, Derek, um, let me try to remember this clearly now. Uh, I'm trying to think if this was after Biggie or before Biggie. I think it was after Tupac. I went down to Vegas, and we had a, a team set up. It was Washington, D.C. detectives, me from NYPD, I had Oakland ATF, LAPD, Detroit Homicide, uh, New Jersey guy, one or two New Jersey guys, I think, and somebody else, the FBI's, FBI guys. So we were all in like a team. And it was exciting because, you know, the fight was going on. And then I saw Lieutenant Fancy from NYPD Blue talking to him, you know, joking around. Mm. But they stopped Steven Seagal at the gate. Say, Parker, get over here, man. We got a problem. Because I was like one of the team leaders. So I go over, and they have Steven Seagal pinned up, and they're giving him a hard way to go. He had his Indian coat on, and he was standing there. And he's like, yo, where are you from? And everybody started announcing what areas they expertise and where they work. Who are you? I said, I'm NYPD. Let me talk to you on the side. 
<laughs> you know Ralphie Seferello? I said, yeah, I know Ralphie. He goes, Ralphie's my guy. He goes, what the, Parker, what's going on here? I only deal with you guys at NYPD. I don't trust these guys. And this guy from Oakland ATF, I don't like him because he wanted Stephen Sakai a gun, and he wanted to lock him up. So I was like, listen, we're down, not, not down there for this. You heard what happened with Tupac, right? Yeah, we're down here on another case. So we're looking for some people that might show up, and we're out here hunting for them if they come through the gates where we got guys everywhere. So he's like, well, this got nothing to do with me. I said, no, it doesn't. So apparently what happened was that we let, well, I talked to the guys. We let Sagal go because he had an LAPD cop with him. Man. Let him go. Let him go. Saved him. Yeah, we saved him. Let him go. Because we, we're not here for him, you know? So we locked up two guys in a hotel from Washington, D.C. that committed a double murder. We got them. We had another guy from Detroit come through with a gun. We got him. And then um, it, was a, it was a good night because nobody got hurt. Nobody got injured. There was no unrest, and we got some of the people. We didn't get everything we wanted, but we did find some people that we wanted to talk to about Tupac's murder and stuff like that. And we talked to them, and then that was the end of it. I think we we got some pieces. I, I teamed up with a lieutenant out there. Who's a, who's a detective? He's a lieutenant now. And he was giving me all the information about um, L.A. He goes, Derek, you see this thing, 666? That's the mob ties with the blood. That's a blood phone right there. Because it was a pay phone with 666 on it. It was a blood phone. And then I became friends with him in Vegas, so we were always sharing stuff like what happened in the case. And then I had a friend in LAPD who was sharing things with me about LA. He was about the studio time where all the rappers go. He was in the Tarzana area. And this guy was scared to death. He didn't want to even be mentioned in anything. He was giving me pictures of Suge and Biggie, Puffy. You know, Suge was really against Puffy at the time. He had a lot of, like, things that, that were out there about him. You know, they were always this um, rift that was going on between, you know, Bad Boy and um, Death Row. Death Row yeah. So I came back to New York, and, of course, the boss was like, Derek, you know, what's going on with all this? You know, I gave him a briefing of what's going on, and things were calm. Then Biggie gets killed. I said to my inspector, this is a problem. Derek, I'm telling you, stay out of this. This has got nothing to do with us. I go, I'm telling you right now, this is coming back to New York. So the commissioner, I think Eddie Nara said, I need Derek down here. We got a problem. So they summoned me to One Police Plaza. And you know, when you go down there, you're like, oh, shit, I better have all my P's and Q's together. I'm going to see the big bosses. Yeah. So they're like, um, Derek, the chief came out with the commissioner. We got a problem. Uh, they're making death threats at the funeral home for Barry and Biggie up in the Frank Campbell funeral home. We got all these death threats against Faith, little Kim. We need you to get on top of this. So they signed me to the funeral detail for two weeks. I was up there every day. My lieutenant was being really tough on me at the time. He was like, why are you leaving cold case and going up there? My inspector was mad too. You're not, you're not helping us any. You're not solving any more murders. You're up there working on this. So the chief got mad at them. And he goes, I'm a two-star chief. Derek's up here with me. Do you understand? Don't call him again. Click. Mm. So... I was like, ah, oh, this is going to be problems with me when I get back to my office. <laughs> my boss is going to be mad. So uh, I stayed there for a long time because I had to make sure that nobody got killed up there. When Biggie's body came in, I was the, uh, with the detectives from the 19th. I, the body came to the funeral home. I was there in the funeral parlor looking at the body with them. And we were talking about it. And they're like, Derek, you're the, big, you're the big dog here. What's going on with this? I said, this is a lot going on, bro. You guys don't even know half of it, what's going on with this. Did they know that Orlando killed Tupac uh, yeah, back yes. in the days? Back I, I knew it. I was. I'm gonna be honest with you. 
Oh. And I'm going to say this something. Yeah, I know you're going to say this too. Don't go to the closet. Don't go to the closet. All right, all right. Don't let me but go. But what happened, here's what happened with, with Tupac. Keep it real. Keep it real, Derek, with me. Let me get I, something. I'm going to try to keep this real with you. The guy from Tarzana and me were friends. And he was a cop there. I was a detective in New York. We became friends, and he was sending me correspondence from L.A. to New York. We found the white Cadillac that Orlando Anderson was in. It was us that found that Cadillac. Mm. We were the ones that gave it back to L.A. I gave it back. He said, I gotta, Derek, I got to give this over to the robbery homicide guys but, or Vegas because you and I identified the Cadillac because we knew it was a white four-door, I don't know if it was a Savandeville, whatever it was. The caddy he had came up somehow. And he and I put two and two together, and we had to notify Vegas about it. So that was a big thing. And then uh, we were just in touch with each other. But he wanted not to get too involved. He was a little fearful, like a lot of these rappers and what the ties they had to the police. Because back then, there was a lot of corruption in L.A. With the LAPD. And Vegas was even scarce about LAPD and Inglewood PD. Mm. That was a big, big problem. You see, so... This became a big, big problem when it went down. And, you know, when Tupac's case came up and people felt it was retaliation, when Biggie got killed for Tupac, now it became a, 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 a not a chess game, but it became a puzzle that needed to be put together, so mm -hmm. to say. And you knew that Orlando killed him. I knew that, yes. Orlando and was in a car with three other guys. And to the day, from what I know right now, three of them... Orlando and two others are dead. The only guy that's still alive is Keefe D. He was one of the guys in the car, but he's still around. And where is he? In L.A. Probably chilling. So, but Orlando was the trigger man, yes? Yes. In my opinion, and from what I discovered, yes, it was him. So when you when, so you found the car, you gave it to them. You, right. you found out about the car and gave it to them. We don't know how a guy from New York finds out, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> right. So you found out about the car, you gave it to them, and you mean to tell me, Back when they died, you knew the guy Orlando did it. Yes. I'm telling you, I knew. He was there. We had the videotape from the MGM. Okay. <clears> we knew about the fight. That's a we fact. knew that they stomped him out and they, that um, Suge Knight went back with Tupac. We saw the video where they stomped down Orlando because um, he, uh, he, he had the beef with Tupac, so he went back and they took his chain. Somebody, I think it was, was it Tupac's chain? I'm trying to remember. Back in those days, it was a long time ago. But they stomped him out, and Orlando was a crip. Mm -hmm. And remember, he was the nephew, I think, of Keefe D. I think he was related to Keefe or somebody. He was the nephew of somebody. So he went back and got his crew, and they waited. There was a, a planned attempt hit on Tupac that was going to take place because they were going to get him and Suge for what happened at the MGM. That's how it all started. So, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. So my thing is that why, okay, so that's how it all started. So where do you think that they thought that when Biggie got killed that it was a retaliation for Tupac? Why did, how did all that become a crossfire? There was, who, 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 how can, yeah, 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 breathe heavy. Because I'm going to ask you about stack bundles too. Yeah. I'm going to get you, yeah, I know a lot about that. You think I don't know, I was a close friend of mine. Yeah. How, how can the system cause such a mix-up because now you have to look within now. Now you got to look within and see if that was intentionally done. Okay. Because now Orlando was a guy from um, 
out there and they had their beef. First of all, I don't know if he killed them, but it just we just I don't know personally. But I'm just talking about what I read. He's from out there. That's a whole situation where he took the chain at a mall a while ago, and then they right. caught him and they jumped him. Yes. Yes. So now, fast forward. That's a whole LA situation. Now, when Biggie gets when Biggie gets killed, how do they tie the whole thing and try to okay. make it? You know, I'm gonna make this real. It's easy like dirty. It's dirty. It's dirty system. It's a dirty system. Okay. <laughs> Remember this, Las Vegas is a transient city. Everybody goes to Vegas not really to live, but to hang out and party, right? Can we yeah, all yeah, that? yeah, yeah, break it down to me. So the bad guys either come from a couple places, L.A., right? Mm -hmm. Maybe New York, mm -hmm. maybe other places. Mm -hmm. But they're not from Vegas, okay? Mm -hmm. Vegas is the transient spot where everybody goes to. When Tupac gets killed, right, in, in um, Las Vegas, the guys that did it were Crips from Los Angeles, Right? Orlando's tied to Crips, Los Angeles. Now, when Biggie gets killed in LA, the guys that kill him are Bloods. Right? There's a blood tie there. Okay, yeah. So, I don't know if you guys knew this. When Biggie got killed, there were about 13 to 15 homicides. I might be exaggerating a little. When he got killed, there was such a war between the Crips and the Bloods out in LA. And, you, and a lot of people don't know this. A lot of people got killed. I remember that. There was a shootout where I was talking back and forth with LAPD, and they were telling me, hey, you know, we, we got three more homicides. We got, this guy got killed. This guy got killed. It was a war going on. Right now, there were a couple of uh, tangible problems that were happening. First of all, we know that in the Tupac case, the bad guys were from L.A. In the Biggie case, the guys are from L.A. Everything points back to L.A. Follow what I'm saying? I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> I'm with you on the train. You got, you got Suge. <laughs> Who hated Puffy with Bad Boy. They had their issues. Then you got the Crips and you got the Bloods. Now, there was supposedly, and this is, there was always, whenever you investigate theories of cases and homicides, there's always a lot of different factors that come up. One of the things came up was there were protection money paid to the Crips for Biggie while he was in Los Angeles because he knew that he had problems with Suge and other people because of the the East Coast, West Coast feud that was going on. And it all really started basically when Jake Robles got killed by Wolf in Atlanta in 95, I think. So it just perpetuated itself and it became really big. A lot of rappers could not go to different cities without paying homage to other guys. And, you know, I don't think you guys probably know this. You can't walk into a city and be with your crew promoting concerts and things like that without having somebody from that city on your side because <clears throat> you need protection. You need people to look out for you while you're in that city because think about it. You go to L.A. and you're a big rapper, you don't, you don't want to tell everybody what you're doing because people are going to get at you. You know, they don't like you. I don't like that dude, man. And, you know, I'm going to get at him. His music, his lyrics, where he's from, who he's rolling with. Pop Smoke is a perfect example of that. But... Going back to no, slow down. Don't, don't I know. So, so going no, back to um, the case, everybody was from LA, so there was an LA. This was an LA problem. It wasn't a New York problem. Well, it was a New York problem, somewhat, because there was protection money supposedly that came up in the case that was being paid for the Crips to to provide protection with Biggie and them. Um, there was somebody said there was somebody reneged on the payment that money was supposed to be paid. It didn't get paid, and that was a problem while the Crips had a problem. Now they weren't going to protect Biggie anymore, and things were going to happen. Now, the blood faction of it was Suge, 
she'll believe that that when the case went down in Vegas with Orlando, that the Crips that were involved were sent or were tied to possibly this connection that might have got involved in uh, in, in the shooting of um, Tupac. So there were a lot of different theories going on back then with a lot of different things. Like, you know, you have to rule out everything that goes on. Okay, well, is this the real story or is this BS? Mm-hmm. Now, there was a guy here in New York. Well, he's deceased now. But he did have ties to L.A. He's big time. And I won't mention his name right now. Why not? He passed away. No, I don't want to bring it out because it, it, it'll open up some wounds with people. But anyway, I'll just Where say this. Where is he from? Harlem. So, he, it was, well, yeah, he passed. I ain't gonna say. <laughs> He's trying to get it out of me. I'm not gonna say. Come on, it. man. Hey, let start? me just tell you the story. What's so, they start with? I can't tell you that. Damn, you don't know it. Good. good. But but anyway, <laughs> the guy had ties. How did he get ties? Because again, I was in the phone with LAPD. I had all his cars, where he lived in LA, where he traveled, everything on his pictures, everything. So when I had all this information, he was when when the, the homicide occurred at Biggie. It went to two black detectives from the. Wilshire Division. The only problem with them, they were nice guys, but they didn't know anything about hip-hop. When they came to New York, I had to take them around to interview Little C's, Little Kim, Big D, all of them, because they didn't know anybody, you know? They were really nice guys, but the problem I had, too, there was a detective here in New York that went out, and he uh, was following Biggie before he got killed. Mm. And me and this guy, never, I never cared for him. We, He was always like this conceited type guy, you know, major case guy that knew what he knew and I don't need your help. I'm doing this on my own. But he was out there, and the detectives out there felt, Derek, how can we trust you? You had a dude from New York come here. He wasn't sharing information with us. So why would you share information with us? I was the one, again, who put the six-pack together. Six-pack is a photo array of people possibly involved in this case when Biggie got killed. Because I worked with the detectives to try to get them pictures and everything of what they needed from here. So, um, back then, the case went from them to robbery homicide, which is their big elite unit. Mm-hmm. So, Poole, Detective Pools passed away and Miller. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. had the case, but those guys weren't go-getters. Like, I was a little annoyed with them because I had held this guy out here, this big-time dude. I had the FBI pick him up and follow him from Jersey. So, when I brought him in, I was in the Southern District. I mean, that was my office in Manhattan. And he's like, yo, man, this ain't no police station. I said, nah, man. And then, listen... When he, his lawyer called, the U.S. attorney said, Derek, you know who his attorney is? This guy, Breitbach, he's, he only represents big-time people. What do you have here? I said, well, I got a kingpin, or a guy who's big. So I had talked to this guy, and you know he, he didn't snitch. Let's, I'll get that straight with you right now. He didn't tell. He didn't snitch on anybody. He wanted to talk to me, but he says, Parker, I can't, man. He goes, you know so much about me. I know his girls. Of the barbershops, beauty salons he owned, who he was tied to. Remember, I do my homework. So I let the girls come in and get his money, his jewelry. I said, look, I got to take him in for an old warrant. But you could take his jewelry and his money because the girls were happy to see him. You know, he was taking care of them. He what was, was the lawyer name? Um, Breitbart. Breitbart. Who, who? Breitbart or Breitbart, something like that. Bright? Like Breitbart, something like that. Well, you're, not, you're saying it too fast. Bright, like bright, bark. Okay. Bark. Bart. B-A-R-T. Okay. But anyway, the lawyer was a big time dude. He's trying to figure this out. <laughs> so anyway, uh, the guy, he wouldn't snitch. He wouldn't talk. And he said, look, I can't, man. I just can't. 
Derek, I'm in too big with a lot of people, man. He was. He had connections here in New York and in L.A. And everywhere in Atlanta. He was a well-known dude. So, But I respected him. I, I treated him like a gentleman. Mm-hmm. He said, you were the nicest dude I ever met, man. You treated me like a gentleman. He let my girls come in. He had some beautiful girls. Most dudes have nice-looking girls anyway that are up his stature, you know? Mm-hmm. And they would come pick up the jewelry and the money and everything else. And I let him give him a kiss goodbye. And I said, he'll be out in a day or two or whatever. Because I, I didn't need him. But when I got him picked up, he was just like, yo, man, I can't believe you had the FBI come and get me. He goes, I know the helicopter you rode in. He's like, yo, how did you know so much about me? You know, I said, I know you drive the, the, this truck. You know, I knew everything about him. So he was very surprised. But you know what? We became not friends, but we became respectful of each other. Right. You know, he had the streets. I had the law behind me, law enforcement, but we came, you know, cool with each other on that level. Like, if I, one day I went up to Harlem to see him, and I remember some dudes came into the front door and like, yo, who you here to see, son? And they all, like, surrounded me. And I said, tell your boss it's me. And he came out and said, no, let him in. You know? And I saw him. But he wouldn't snitch. He said, Derek, D, I'm from the streets. I can't do that, bro. I don't snitch. And he didn't. So, Mr. Bart, he represented, like, John Gotti and them, the mob, yeah? Big guys. Yeah, Nicky Barnes. Yeah, Nicky was big back in those days. Yeah, he represented, and he represented somebody else, too, huh? He represented a lot of people. I mean, I mean, I mean, but the, the big drug dealer from Harlem that we're talking about, he represented him as well, yes? He represented a lot of people. Oh, look at Nervous, look at Nervous. Look at Nervous, what you The big guy he represented, yes? He represented a lot of people. Oh, I'm pretty sure he did. I, I he found was, him. He I was, found him. He's been doing law for 40 years, over 40 years. He was paid very well for his service as the lawyer. You know? mm. Listen, when you get a lawyer like that, you're paying him money, so... But anyway, to move right along. Oh. Let's, let's move on to more important stuff. Uh, okay, so, okay. So after, after that, it was, like I said, the, 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 the Greg Kading, later on, he came involved in the case. Mm-hmm. But she, the case passed to Fred Miller after the two black detectives, Jackson and Edwards, that was the name. They were really nice guys. And then Fred Miller and Poole had it. Then it went to my friend Stevie Katz. Okay. Stevie came here, but Stevie got caught up in this big thing with holding information. I don't know what happened. And then Mrs. Wallace sued LAPD and got a million dollars or something. There was a whole big mix-up with that, a whole big hang-up. I, I don't think, from what I know about Steve, I don't think it was intentionally done. I think it was a lot of politics involved back then because, remember, it, you had dirty cops involved. Russell Poole, and I'm going back to this, back to Tupac and Biggie again. Russell Poole was on this crusade to get these cops. There was a cop, I don't know if you know, who got shot. Um, they, they killed a cop who was bodyguarding Suge Knight in L.A. Okay. Then after that, because you all saw this on TV anyway, then after that, there was um, two other cops that were doing bank robberies with Suge, and they were involved, all right? There were two other cops. So Poole was on his crusade that he was out to get these corrupt cops, you know, and the mayor's daughter was involved with these hip-hop. Everybody got involved in hip-hop, whether you were a celebrity, a lawyer, a mayor, a kid. Hip-hop was taking over this taking over the world back mm-hmm. then. And a lot of people got involved. You had big time lawyers, you know, everybody pretty much. So the big problem was, is when that case happened, I, I got back to New York and then, you know, my bosses were like, Derek, you know, this is a big problem. And we did the funeral. I rode in a car with the people. We, threw, we went to Manhattan from the funeral home to Brooklyn. People tried to turn my car over when I was driving with the LAPD guys inside. Mm. It was a crazy situation the way we drove to, because we went to Brooklyn. But the chief saw me. He's like, Derek. I said, Chief, get these people back, man. We got to get through the, to the neighborhood. We're going to the, 
to the um, burial site. Or, you know, I think, was, was, no, Biggie, was, was he cremated? I'm trying to, is he cremated? Yeah, he's cremated. So we were going to, to go to the site. We had to, we had the LAPD Texas. We were following, we had a big caravan of people following. We had the SWAT team with us. They were following us to make sure nothing happened to us. We mm -hmm. were going. So my boss said, look, Derek, this big case, you're going to be assigned to Rap Intel. And you're going to go to, because you said you're getting a lot of flack from your bosses and other people that they're getting mad at me. And I'm the chief of the department. I got four stars. That's how he spoke to me. You're getting a lot of flack. A lot of people giving you a hard way to go because your bosses are mad that I'm pulling you. Well, guess what? Now you're transferred. You work for me directly. Hmm. So you end the commissioner. My lieutenant, let me tell you something. He was like, Derek, I don't want to know these people, man. He goes, you know these people? up there. He, says, he said, in Xerox, the middle manager never meets the president of the company. Hmm. He goes, do you ever notice that? And here... You know all these guys. You had history with them back when they were like captains and stuff, and they were all chiefs. And my lieutenant was hiding one day. The biggest thing that happened that was pretty much pissed, pissed Commissioner off Carrick was a shooting at Hot 97 with Little Kim. Mm. I was in Vegas with The Rock. I was moonlighting, you know, on my vacation time. Body got in The Rock. And we went backstage in WWE. He said, Derek, you know they just shot up Hot 97? I said, yeah, I just got five calls from people in the street. Mm. So... I knew the, the chief was going to call me next. Derek, where you at? Vegas. Your fun time's over. Get back to New York. We'll have somebody pick you up from the airport with flight you're coming on. You're coming right to One Place Plaza. The commissioner wants this now. I was like, oh, man. So <laughs> I got to cut my vacation short. I'm on the plane. They pick me up. Right to police headquarters. Carrick pulls out in the car. I'll never forget this. Derek, get over here. My lieutenant was with me. He was trying to hide. He's a white guy. He can't hide. So the, the commissioner's like, I want these motherfuckers. You understand me? I want these fuckers. I want you to catch all of them. I want everybody involved. Did you see the video? Get with the chief of detectives. I don't care how much it costs or what it takes. I want them. Yes, sir. My lieutenant was like this. Why is that guy hiding? I said, he's not hiding, commissioner. He doesn't know you. Because <laughs> I knew the commissioner. He's like, my lieutenant was so scared and so nervous. I don't forget. He was like, Derek, I don't want to know these people, man. So I had to go upstairs. And the chief and I sat down. And then they wanted to create a binder. Derek, this hip-hop industry is getting out of control. I want you to create a binder with these rappers and their pedigree information so we can disseminate it through the department. I said, chief, I don't think that's a good idea. Because you, I have no access to... The banana or the or the, the Colombo crime families, you can't even get into those folders. I need a locking key to get into that or permission. So the rap industry should be created the same because you have affluent people. These rappers are got big money, politics, lawyers. I think it should be the same. So he was like, No, we gotta get this done. This little Kim thing is a big problem right now. I knew everything that happened. So I'm just telling you guys all the problems. you don't know all the problems that happened. There were two detectives. One female hated me. I hate I didn't like her either. What's her name? Ah, uh, my God. <laughs> I can't remember that? her name. She worked in the Sixth Squad. You, you like this. She, she worked in the Sixth Squad. She came up you with these two, other, these two other yo-yos, and they were sitting there oh. telling the chief, yo-yos, they were telling the chief that this is a rap war and this is what happened. I go, no, nothing could be further from the truth. I got the whole story, and I was in Vegas. I said, this has happened between Capone Noriega and Foxy and all of them. They all went down there, and they got into this big dispute. Hot 97 is supposed to be sacred ground.
Mm-hmm. And they got into a shootout. The biggest thing that was the problem was the woman with the baby carriage going across the street. The commissioner was pissed about that. These animals have no right to be down there shooting with a woman in the street. I don't know if you refer to them as animals, but he, he was pretty pissed at him. He called them a lot of names. But he goes, they're shooting and, they're, and right in the middle of broad daylight. And the woman had a baby carriage. She was pushing it. Hot 97 took a lot of flack too for that because of course. they were going to get evicted. It, it was a whole bunch of problems on they had to change their whole way of doing business mm-hmm. um but the, the kim case was big and the chief was like i don't care then everything just started to happen man shooting in queens noriega and capone got involved in something i had to go out to queens then i had to go to um uh this guy got killed this guy was involved with rap music um then it was it was shootings like the, the chief said some of the victims some of these rap people in this community are victims they're perpetrators and what's going on with this community? Why are they shooting and robbing? Why are we getting so many cases around in all these different precincts? I was going from precinct to precinct to precinct. Detectives knew me because I had a reputation in the job, so I, I was in the squad. You know what I mean by the detective squad? I had a background. When people see that you don't have a background, they challenge you. Like if you go into places, mm-hmm. like where did you work? Like, you know, I went into Midtown South, case in point, when I had the shooting at the, uh, with Puffy or J-Lo. So they called me, and I was home. Chief said, Derek, go right down to Midtown. They had the shooting with um, Shine at the Kit. Was it the Kit Kat Club? No, not the Kit Kat. It was the um, Club New York. Mm-hmm. Get on, get in your clothes. I know it's 3 in the morning, 2 in the morning. You have to go. I get up. I got to the precinct. All the lawyers started applauding. Finally, somebody with brains is here. They all start clapping. Mm. So I said, Chief looked at me. Derek, I'm the duty chief. He goes, you're in charge. I go, chief, you're a chief. I'm just a detective. He goes, no, you're in charge. They already told me that you're running the show. I go, well, they have lawyers, so they're not going to be able to talk to anybody. Where's J-Lo? I went in the back, got J-Lo. I uncuffed her from the cell. Cop came and yelled, who, what are you doing? I said, this is out of your pay grade. Go back. Go back mm. to where you were. This is not Let's your go. problem anymore. I don't want to be rude to the guy, but I said, look, stop yelling. You can't get involved in this. So I took J-Lo upstairs. I put her in the room. Puffy and I already had a relationship. We knew each other from a lot of different things. Like so, what? Uh, well, other shootings, other things that happened. So Puffy knew me. And Puff's like, Derek, man, this was crazy. I didn't do nothing. This is, you know. And I said, Puff, just be cool because the detectives here are a little pissed. Everybody's coming in from home. It's 3 in the morning. They got to get out of their beds. And the DA was really on top of Puffy. He wanted Puffy bad. This guy, Bogdanus. Matthew Bogdanus. I don't forget his name. Well, let me say this real quick. So... First and foremost, you know, mm. you're real good, but you're not better than me. And I'll tell you why. <laughs> so what happened at Hot Night, before like we get that, to like Puffy, what happened uh, at Hot 97 between in the shooting with Little Kim? It was, was, a, it was, was a battle. The, shoot, the thing in Hot 97 was a battle of lyrics. It was Boxy saying something, Kim saying something. They were go, You know they were going at each other. It was yeah, 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 yeah. Shout out to both of those wonderful but, ladies. But, you know, everybody had their own different crews that rolled with them. And they happened to see each other. And once they saw each other, that's when all the fireworks started. Got it. Okay. So they, now you know what happened. They, nobody got arrested from that situation. Yes, they did. The shootout. The dude, I think there was a guy who got shot. We got the guy who shot him. And there was a female. Okay, going back to that female, she didn't like me. She thought that I was on the side of the rappers. I'm too close to them. She was trying to make problems for me in the department. This guy's too close to the rappers. He knows too much about them. Who is this guy? So I had to check her. I said, look, you have, I said, how many homicides have you solved? 
one mm. in your whole career? I said, get away from me. Mm. I said, you don't even know. I said, this is way above your grade, your pay grade. Me, She didn't like me. I didn't like her. So what happened was Little C's got arrested somewhere else. And I saw Little C's. He was a gun thing with Little C's. It was something. They wanted to pick them up down in Brooklyn. I'm trying to remember the case. They were about to get on a plane to go somewhere. And the lieutenant had called me. He said, Derek, we just picked up Kim and them. We got to bring them back for. There was something that was shooting that happened downtown Brooklyn with Big D. Season them, they were, were. I can't think of other dudes. Gutter. It's all right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was. It was a big case. Anyway, yeah, yeah, we're not ratting. No, we're not ratting. But you know, there was a case with them, and they, Got it. they wanted me to come back, and they were about to go on the airport. So they picked them up from the airport and brought them back to the precinct. So here comes that female detective. She didn't like me. So first thing C says, like, I ain't talking to nobody. Parker, what's up? Come over here. Let me talk to you. <laughs> so right away, she's like, oh, Let's see. This is what I tell you about this guy. He's too close with them. So I said, This woman's out of her mind. And so the lieutenant. Remember, the detectives know me. Derek, we don't like this woman. We don't even want her here. Why is she here? I said, well, she's got the case that happened from Hot 97, so she wants to talk to some people to try to get closure on her case. I said, if she was smart enough, she would work with everybody and stop pissing everybody off, that turning everybody off not to work with her. Because, you know, in the police department, we have that. We have that sometimes with people, everybody doesn't like each other. Everybody wants to be famous. When I got into my unit, everybody... How'd you get into that unit? How do I get there? Who do I have to blow? That's what some girls told me. Who do I have to know? I mean, I'm sorry to say that in the air, but this is what people said. You can say who's your blow, what? Suck yeah. dick, right? And I said, and I said, look, you know, it's not about that. You you know, it took me years to oh, build up stuff. Derek, I know what you keep up. saying, right? Oh. Derek. Derek, come oh. on, what's gonna happen? Who who dick they had to suck? That's the no, 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 question. I, I was asked to go. I was asked. Uh, yeah, but you I mean, obviously you're a straight man. I'm just talking about the ladies. <sighs> There was some cops. I don't know. I don't know. There's some female cops. I, listen, every, everybody thought it was a, it was a great unit to be in. Listen. <laughs> think of, you know, Big you know, D. You know, the, the problem I had, man, was it was the problem I had with the department. The perception was this guy has a lot of power. That was I, the, the stuff I got from higher ups on the job. There were a lot of chiefs that liked me, but you know, there was always one that's like, why is this guy always in the middle of stuff? Is he mm -hmm. so close? There was always this question about, will I step on the other side? Mm -hmm. And you know, that did come up when I was at a college seminar with this one chief. He came up and told this professor that, and the professor got mad at him. Mm -hmm. He said, what are, you, what are you trying to imply? Because he knows these people that he's got to be crooked or he's got to be dirty or something. Mm -hmm. He took offense to it. He was a Greek guy. He took offense to this... this Chief saying that. But they always thought that you were going the other side if you were tied to this rap crew because money, power, women. How much money is this guy going to make? You know what I'm saying? That wasn't me. I wasn't that type of guy. Because remember, you brought up earlier, how many people did I beat on this? I yeah. wasn't that type of guy. And I respect that. I just wasn't that type of guy. It wasn't, that wasn't me. How did Played it by the book. How did you and the lady rectify? Did you ever rectify you and this lady? That no, never she, between me and you, she had an illness, but I didn't want to go out of with it because once I found out, from some of our colleagues, I was like, nah, I'm not going to mess with this girl no more. Oh, okay, she had the illness. Yeah, she had the illness. I, I left it alone. But okay. she only did, she did what she caused damage to herself because a lot of people didn't like her. And she did that, especially when the rappers hated her. You know? <laughs> she what? would show up in places with her partner. I demand you talk to me right now. And they would be like, you know, you can't do that to black folks. <laughs> you ain't going to roll up at a club and meet people outside a club and tell them they got to talk to you. And my, my partner, Glenn, was my business partner now. He said... Derek, can you believe these fucking people came up here and did this? I go, yes, I do. I said, she's out of control, but she's trying to, to get things done, and she can't, but she felt I was a roadblock to her getting results. 
So you, see, I had it from both sides. You got the rappers, and you got the police. So you're caught in the middle of everything. You know, Puffy is an official guy, believe it or not. I know. And a lot of people try to have this perception of him that he's not. But Puffy's official. Puffy's official. Yeah, what you looking that way for? Now look at uh, me. Look at me. Don't turn your head. Puffy's official guy. Okay, you know I'm, gonna, I'm gonna say something to you. I wanna put this on the image is clear. I have respect for Puffy. I know there were things in the past that came up about him that he was involved with. However, as I said to a lot of people, I understand why he had to roll the way he had to roll. Because back then, Puffy was big. And it I, again, it goes back to what I said earlier. A lot of these rappers can't just go to cities and just go in and um, I'm taking over. I'm, I'm the biggest thing going. It's not going to go down like that. Um, there were so many things that came up that I said, look, I do understand why he took the route he took. And today, if you notice, you don't see Puffy involved in too much stuff. He's very quiet. That's cool, but he was an official guy. He's, he's official. He's official. People, people try to, uh, I don't know, this perception of the fault, you know, this image, but if you know Puffy or know about, you know, he he he's respected as far as even in the streets in, in, to a certain aspect. He's official. He's official. He is. No, he is official. Yes, I want you, and I want Just like Jay-Z. Yeah, but we ain't talking about Jay-Z. We're talking about Puffy. Shout out to Jay-Z. Of course, we know he's official. Jay-Z persona would... Jay-Z persona would make you... Assume that he's official. But with Puffy, with the dancing and all that, people would think that he's a joke, but he's really not. No, he's not a joke. It's not nothing to play with in real life. No, he isn't. Yeah, I just want to make sure that we're on the same page. With no, that. we are. Uh, uh, okay, uh, I, I, what made you I, say I, that, though? I, 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 I just said, I just wanted to say about Puffy. You know, I mean, people. No, no, I know. I know. You listen, know what I'm saying? We have this vision of you him. You're not telling me. I know everything about Puffy. I, I can tell. <laughs> but but I'm, we're sharing a moment. We're bonding. And Puff knows me personally. so Yeah, I'm pretty sure, but we're bonding. He knows me well. Well, you know, like. He was connected with a lot. A lot of people would go, go to bat for him in the street and of regularly because he's official. But people, the naked eye would not assume that no. because of how he projects himself. To the but he, I think everything is strategic with it with him. Very smart guy. Yes, and we can't take that from him. Yes. So <laughs> I'm gonna get you again. You <laughs> unlock J Lo. You told the guy about his pay grade, and then how the did girl. that night end? Oh, the guy, yeah. It well, it ended the way it ended was J Lo didn't really speak too much. She had an attorney, so she has attorney private attorney client privilege, so she's not going to talk to anybody. So she talked to me a little bit. I mean, nothing about the case, but you know, I know her mother was upset. You know, and uh, you know, her lawyer got her out. I never seen so much press in my life. I mean, it was like three hundred cameras and reporters outside the station house when we walked out with them. I was like, this is crazy. Puffy wasn't going anywhere at the time, but J-Lo did. And I, people were trying to go after Puff. They wanted to get him. The DA definitely wanted him bad. He wanted Puff, I'm telling you. And it got so bad where, in the case where I had to go down and sit in the trial and watch the trial. Chief said, I want you on there. I want you to let me know if there's any community unrest. If he gets convicted, are people going to go take to the streets? What's going to happen? So I was up. Stairs reporting back to the commission and everybody else. Nah, things are, are going this way. And then he got acquitted. That was it. He got acquitted. What were they accusing him of? Of shooting? Shooting. Uh, the, the dude is dead now. So I could probably... Let me see if I can remember his name. Scar. Scar's from Brooklyn. And uh, I think Scar... Yeah, Scar got killed. So he had a beef with Puff back then. And somehow Shine got involved. And Shine... The shooting happened. Everybody said Shine had a gun. So... That was neither here nor there. Everybody already said that. 
Mm. Then you they try to tie Puff into it and say that he did this and did that. There was just a lot of inconsistencies that weren't really there that, that Puff did that. When Sean was upset, can you see why that he was upset? Yes, he got thrown under the bus. Okay. And he felt that they turned him in. Who was they? I'm sorry. Well, you know, people that were there at the night of the shooting. Mm. On his team. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that Sean was the shooter? I think that Shine was involved, yes. Too many people pointed him out. Mm. You know, if it was one person, or I'm unclear. With Puff, it was a little unclear. It was just yes, no. But, but Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't two guns there. It was one. Yeah. So they, they thought that Puff and Shine held the gun together? I don't I mean, back in those that time, no. It was the, the, the biggest thing was, was that there was a gun, but who used it? Exactly. And, and the girl said, no, it was, one girl said it was Puff, but... She got hit with glass, and I don't know. It, it was just the way it went down. Shine was more uh, culpable than anybody. And was Puff culpable at the time? I don't know. I don't. I don't. From what we gathered, the information we had, no. I, some people would argue against me and say, yeah, "No, let, he's let, guilty." Let, yeah, let's leave Puff out of this. You know, but I, um, I'm Puff's official, so I'm not going to. Yeah, go yeah, 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 yeah. I, I meant, you know, you know. Scar. Uh, he passed away when? Uh, maybe five, six years ago. Did he cooperate? When because he, he's the one that got shot in the club, yes. I don't. No, I don't think Scar cooperated. From what I remember, he did it. Okay. Did he get shot in the club or was? Uh, was he got yeah. shot somewhere else. Oh, you mean when he got shot that night? No, he yeah. didn't get shot. Who got shot? Was it? Uh, did Scar get shot? Let me think. I got You know, I got to think back, man. It's been a while. Uh, I know a girl got hit with flying a girl, glass. A, a girl got hit. A girl got hit, maybe in the leg or in the arm somewhere. I don't know if Scar got hit. Okay. I don't, I don't remember. At the time, I don't remember. Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Move on. Um, real quick, let's go back a little bit. Let's move walk a little bit. Um, What was the reason that Wolf killed Big Jake? Dispute. Over? Uh, at the time, I'm not sure. It could have been... It was It was a dis- I wasn't involved heavily in that case. Okay, respect. Yeah. So... I know it was a dispute they had between them. It, it was at a concert or something. I don't know if they met backstage and they got into it. or Back then it was different with the crews going around in different cities because it was easy to get into a beef. R.I.P. Wolf, R.I.P. Jake. Um, yeah, yeah. I knew Wolf, one of the Wolf daughters. She's a battle rapper. She was. I don't know. Yeah. Um. So do we know who killed... Uh, are you looking that way? You all right? Yeah. We're going to be here all night, man. This is... I got... I Listen, I have... There's so much I have. It's man. okay. Don't it's worry. Crazy. Don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about that. Yeah. Do, do, do we know who <laughs> killed um, Biggie Smalls? Do you know? Yes. Is it out in the public yet? Yeah, it was mentioned. What was mentioned about it? Uh, well, Greg Kading mentioned it in his book. Who? Greg Kading, the LAPD detective that came back and investigated the case. He he did a good job, by the way. He went out and. and got How do you know that's true? That that person killed Biggie. Because I had a lot of information and I was pretty much on top of that case back then. Did we find any gun fragments? Did we find any fingerprints on the weapon that killed Biggie? Did we even find the weapon? Or is it still hearsay? No, it's uh, more hearsay than anything. Oh. It is more hearsay. You no, know, Derek, we don't go by hearsay. No, Derek, no, no, I'm not but, a guy that saw But, but, they, <laughs> but, what, but what, Greg's, cases. what Greg pulled out of the book, too, that he did speak to several people and they corroborated what he uncovered. Because a lot of people, what I noticed though, when, when people kill somebody famous, they go back to the neighborhood and they brag about it. In the old days. Not, not, well, not, not, not sometimes now, but not like it used to be. 
Okay, but you back know, in those days, people get given up because people get reward money, and you know, you have people from the hood. That, I know that guy. So why did, why why do you think the guy killed Biggie? Why did he kill Biggie? Yeah, that was a hit. It was a hit. It was planned. From, Suge. Mm. You still don't believe that Suge was involved? Mm. You still don't believe that? That's what everybody. That's what everybody was saying over these years. But, well, what, I, I, I mean, you tell me what your take on it is and what you think. Don't ask me no questions like that. I'm not. I'm not an officer. I don't know. That's very good. You good? You good? From what, from what I learned, from what it's, I've learned, it like what it, I've covered, it, 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 it was. Listen, is, is Sugar person of interest? As they say, yes, definitely. So why, if, if that's if that's the but, case, okay, yeah. But Sugar's incarcerated right now on another manslaughter case. Yes, and Sugar's from the streets. He's not going to really talk right now. Yes, you know what I'm saying. There's ways of getting information and doing things, but right now. With Suge right now, Suge lost a lot by being arrested too, because a lot of people have, you know, there's not there was there was a lot of fear of him back in the days, mm. but now there's a lot of people that don't fear him, you know, and there's other guys that have come up that are probably bigger than he is right now. You mean guys that attacked him and knocked him out? He's well, well that, no, that happened. But I'm saying yeah, that, not yeah, only okay. that, but I'm just saying guys from the street. You know, a time comes up where younger dudes come up and they come up the food chain, and they're better than what you were back when your days were. And then, you know, they look at you as an OG, but they know you don't have that kind of juice anymore, that kind of power. But what I'm saying is that, so, still hearsay. Right. Should put a hit out on on uh, Biggie because of his riff with Puffy, yes? That was one of we, the... we, we We knew that uh, right. we can't really, the situation with Orlando and then was a completely different situation. It was, but there were other tangibles to that case, which I really can't get into right now. But why you can't get into it? I'm sorry, because it's a lot to go through, man. It's a lot. To, respect, respect. It's a lot to talk, and it's a you lot. Just, you just not, and you're not a snitch. It's not being a snitch. It's just a lot to do <clears throat> with a lot of these cases, you know. And 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 you gotta remember this. Right now, I'm sitting next to you guys. I probably have a hundred cases in my head that I've gone through with this hip hop community. <laughs> you know, I mean, the bigger ones like we're talking about with Biggie and Tupac and Jam. Jam. So what? Yeah, we're gonna talk. Don't rush, don't rush. Don't rush. Don't rush. Don't rush. Don't rush greatness. Um, <laughs> I, I'm trying to figure something out though. You know, we have all these stories, right? And hearsay, and you know, you got the answers. So why are we not putting it together? Why? What you is know what it, it is? I, I'll tell you why. Because you want the case to come out, but you want it to be like the way Jay's was handled. Mm -hmm. You want it to be handled that way. That case is a lot difficult. The Biggie and Tupac cases are a lot difficult than Jam Master J's case. Okay. Because they're, they're different scenarios, different things that happened. So that case is hard. You have to, it's still a pending and still an open investigation. Homicides never go away, it lasts know. forever. So the, and to put that case together, it's, it's a lot to do. There's a reason that some lawyers, some DAs won't prosecute it because it goes in so many different directions. And you have to clear it out that you have to bring it to one conclusion yeah, and, yeah. and take the others and like, okay, this didn't happen and rule them out before you proceed with a prosecution. Got you. Okay. You know? Mm. Um, before we get to Jam Master J, uh, what do you know about uh, uh, Stack Bundles? Uh, I know Stack was part of the Bird Gang crew with, with Jim Jones yes, and those guys back correct. in the days. Uh, I know he got shot out in uh, the projects over on Beach Channel. Red Fern. Red Fern. Red Fern Houses. Okay. Uh, I know that the dude that was looking for him 
was a guy who was from the neighborhood that he had beef with or something and shot him in the stairwell. I met his sister, Stack Bundle's sister. I met some really good people that I spoke with because we were going to look into the case and go after maybe one of the guys that was involved. And why you didn't go after them? Well, the detective that had the case in Queens, you know, again, guys get territorial. Hey, man, what do you want to know about my case? You know? They want to know about a lot of stuff. So they don't want you to come over and, and try to solve that case. However, that's another case where you need corroboration from certain people. If you have two defendants in a case, like let's say you commit a crime. Don't use me. Don't use me. Okay, let's say two people commit a crime. Yeah. <laughs> and the other guy tells them the other guy, well, that's not sufficient enough to arrest. I understand. You need outside corroboration, a witness or something else. The that guy that shot him, do you think he's incarcerated? I think he was. He may not still be, but I think he is. Hmm. I think I for what I know he still is, but I'm not sure. Interesting. And how do you think they caught the guy that shot Stack? Just uh, hypothetical. How they caught him? Yeah. Do you do you know that he was involved with another shooting? Did they catch the guy that caught Stack? That shot Stack. Brother? I mean, we, we we don't know. I'm, just, I'm asking you. No, I mean, no, you know, no, you hit by police. No, the guy hasn't been arrested for that case yet. Only guy's got arrested is the, in the Chinks case. Yes, in, but from Queens. Do but you remember? Yeah, you know, I can't really. You know, do you remember a guy? Mm-hmm. That killed the cops in Brooklyn. What cops? There was a there was a cops guy. Other guy in the car. There was a cops. There was it was I think it was on Pennsylvania or something. Not Pennsylvania. There was a a guy that cops pulled over a car. Right. And then the cops got shot. When the cops got shot, and the guy uh, ran away. Not got away, but he ended up getting caught. But they tried to accuse him. Of being one of the killers in Stack Bundles, a guy named Lee Woods. Lee Woods. Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't. That I don't remember. Okay. I can't say I don't remember that time. Okay. Respect. All right. I don't just feel like you know why did you know. But why? I did. I did go out try to go look into the Stack Bundles case with his sister, and she did contact me. We spoke. We were going to try to go after the person involved in that. But it was a lot. See again, it was a lot of stuff going on with that. Certain people didn't want to say things or. Come forward. But, remember, but, I think that night he was at, was he at a White Castle or something? Did he just get something to eat? Yes. See, I remember. And he was coming home, and I think the guy got him into the stairwell. It was in the stairwell. Yeah, he got yes. Shot. But the guy Lee Woods was the accused driver of, uh, he was accused of being the driver uh, of the, the time that the cop was killed in Brooklyn. And then I guess the gun match. Yeah, I just don't understand why, you know, I mean, you know, hopefully Why one they day, couldn't put it together? <sighs> Hopefully one day they put it together. Okay, I'm going I'm to get to that also. I'm going to tell you about the, why they didn't do it in those cases. And I and see, it's going to lead me into the J case because it's, it's, it's going to go the way I'm going to go. When you do cases in these, these type of cases, you have to get the feds involved. Why? Because they have conspiracy laws. They have better leeway to bring somebody in. When I did my federal cases, believe you me, when I got a lot of guys, 90% of the federal... Uh, prosecutors' um, issues are, they have a 90% conviction rate. Yeah. Why? Because everybody cooperates. Everybody pretty much cooperates. You may have one or two guys that don't, but very rarely, when the feds get to you and they start giving you numbers and you start adding up 220 months or 144 months, people think it's like, oh, it's a year. No, 144 months. 12 times 12 is 144. It's 12 years. 
But they have a better chance of trying to see the light of day and get out before anything else. Um, like I said, it's, it's, it's a, it, it, the feds have a lot of leeway. So when you do these cases, it's hard for the state to do a prosecution because you got to get witnesses, you got to get this and that. But with the feds, you, there's a lot of tricks and things of the trade that you could go and use to get people. And mm. it always it does help out. And and these big cases where you have, like the J case, J Master J case, and I'm trying to go into it because I know you want me to go back. Wait, 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 wait. That's what happened. Let, let me say something. But or how about Lee Woods was an informant for the police? And if Lee Woods, that's what it says, Lee Woods was an informant. And if Lee Woods was an informant and he killed Stack Bundles, wouldn't that be a, wouldn't the police department get sued because the guy that killed Stack Bundles, the guy that you had out here as an informant, ended up killing, being a part of killing a cop and killing an aspiring rapper? I, I don't, the, the Lee Woods case, I'm, I'm, I gotta look into it because yeah, well, I don't remember. Sure but for him to be arrested for shooting a cop or killing a cop and it got tied to Stack Bundles, I'm pretty sure they would have gotten. A lot of information they wanted, if they yeah. But what about if he was he wasn't he wasn't in Lee was wasn't in he was an informant. I mean that I don't know. No, I'm reading it. It's right here. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if he was an informant, but they still need more cooperation to just him. So and and listen, when Stack Bundles got killed, it was more than one dude that was there. I'm sure of it. But wouldn't yeah, that's true. But wouldn't the police wouldn't the police be looked funny that your informant is out here? Being a part of things that killed the cop and killed somebody That's else? That's a bad look. If you have an informant out here who's doing stuff like that, he's no longer an informant. He's 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 definitely off the informant list. Okay. So he's going to do a lot of time. But So you, you're trying to say like they, they probably looked it off because uh, he was an informant? I mean... I don't think it was that. NYPDconfidential.com states that Lee Woods was an informant. I mean, you got to you gotta read a little bit more into it. Cause it an informant is an informant. No, no, but what I'm saying to you, like, see, people see these cases and there's a lot of things that go on that you may not know about because the public sees it and they assume that, well, this is what it was. The cops let him go because he was an informant and they traded with him. They let him, they let him ride on this one. No, I don't think they let him, I don't think they let him go. What I'm, I don't think they let him, no, no, no. I'm not saying they let him go because he's an informant for killing. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying that the reason why they didn't put the, in my opinion, the reason probably why they didn't put the case together is because they had an informant out here doing that. It would be a bad look. That's why they're not trying no, to... No, that's the... If it, it, it wouldn't matter. It wouldn't matter. If he was an informant okay. he did that, he would be done. He'd it be would, done it, still. He'd be done. He'd be done still. Okay. You know? Sure. Positive. I had informants. I had to sign them up. If I had an informant that went bad or rogue on me, he's done. And then now he's going to be treated just like everybody else. But it wouldn't look bad on you, would it? No. I just have to say, look, you know, because everybody knows he's an informant. So... Either he's going to go good or he's going to go bad, right? So either way you do it, you just come at him. J.M.S.J. Well, before that, real quick, yeah, I, I, I did read something, you know, uh, that said that you, you felt like chinks. So let's go to chinks real quick since we're in the Far Rock area, the Riot Squad. Shout out to Riot Squad. Shout out to Bino. Shout mm-hmm. out to Code 2Gs. Yeah, shout out to Code that, You know, you felt like chinks was assassinated. He was. He was He was definitely assassinated. But what, what happened, too, was that the detectives in that case did a good job. They waited so they could get on more information, mm. more things to, to possibly go after this case, and they did. They got a, a prosecution on it because the guys, look, the guys were the ones, what, holding his casket or burying him? Mm. When Ching's, Ching's own guys that were involved. So in some of these cases, the, the sad part about it, there's always some kind of underlining situation that perpetuates them getting killed. It's not always a dispute. It's always something where drugs are involved. Maybe... 
some kind of deals were made, maybe this happened. There's always something that happens in some of these, most of these cases that come out. So when you get them, even if you're law enforcement, you have to like think about how you're going to proceed with this case, mm-hmm. you know? Like I was trying to tell this one prosecutor she wanted to do a case with me, and I said, you can't do it. And she's like, but Derek, why? I said, because you don't have the tools to do it. I have to work with someone from the FBI to do this case because I can get certain things done, bring people in for conspiracy, right. for other things where I could tie them up four, five, ten years. And a lot of people don't want to go back to jail. They don't. Right. You know, so they have to cooperate. But it's not just that. You have to get a lot of things. And then you, you get people out there caught out in things because people, sooner or later, they do mess up. And you got to be right there to be, I got you now. No, I got you where I want you. But the feds have that leeway. Mm. They really do. So you feel Chinks was you felt Chinks was assassinated. Yes. Who knew he was gonna be there at that time? Who knew he was gonna drive that way, right? Off the Kew Gardens, going I guess from from that area which I know. How did he know that he was gonna go that area and drive that area? Who knew he was gonna be there? And it was desolate. There was nobody around. The camera that they said that they had there wasn't really the camera that was far from there, and who knew about taking that route? You see what I'm saying? It was definitely planned. It was a hit. Somebody knew he was going to be in a car. Somebody knew he was going to travel this way. Somebody either followed, knew, talked to someone, and, and they got him, set him up. Were you ever wrong on a case? Oh, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. Chinks is a great friend of mine, but let me let me ask you a question. So, oh, go ahead. you trying to tell me that someone knew that he would go that direction, knew that he would go to that little turn in the corner, knew that that little back street knew because you saying that somebody knew that. You know, there's a train station there, there, you know, and you know that the guy that he was with, you know, he might have been able to drop him off to the train station that might have been there. No, somebody either somebody either followed. Okay, followed is the right followed, word. But, but, somebody but that, that wouldn't be okay, an, that some, wouldn't be an assassin. But what's the no. definition of an assassination? Assassination is something that's planned. When you know, I'm, I know this guy's going to be with this guy tonight. Let's wait outside. Let's watch where he goes. Let's follow him, shoot him, or okay. let's see what route he takes. Okay, and, and we'll get him that way too. So okay, yeah, well, you're right. mean, all right, same thing. Okay, at. tomato, tomato, got it. Okay, right. but when when when, you, when, you, when I hear you say assassination, I'm, I'm thinking you saying that. Yes, it was planned. The two guys that got arrested probably planned it because it was something that stemmed from before. Yes. Yes, right? Yes. But when people hear those words, they try to put, like, people close to him put it together. You understand what I'm saying? Like, these Well, no, things. no. It doesn't. Well, well let's, the guys were close to him. Sort no, of say. Sort of say, not yeah. Not really. No, no, no. They weren't media family, but they were close to him. Listen, if, if somebody gets killed and they're carrying your coffin or at your funeral paying their respects... At your funeral, we got him on the wrong guy. Video. A guy didn't carry his coffin. Okay, what about the guys that came out with the? Okay, you saying the guys didn't carry his coffin? Were they at his funeral, paying their respects? Well, yeah, well, yeah, one of them was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And the other one gave up the other one. And somebody else gave information. Yes, but at the same time, <laughs> we can't make it seem like it's some sort of big conspiracy. That's what a lot of people. I'm not do. saying it's a it's a big conspiracy. It doesn't have to be a big conspiracy, but obviously, it was something that happened. You know, you know led, the story, yes? Yeah, I, I, knew those, I know some of the story. Something that yes. led to him, him getting killed. Yes, it's something that happened before right? between the two gentlemen right. they, while they were incarcerated. Right. And he came home, and then, so, and then that's where it came from. But it was nothing where, 
a lot of people get it misconstrued that there's people close and, and, and it's not the case. And I think that that's sometimes that right. sends mixed signals. No, no, I, I get what you're you, saying. You understand what I mean? No, I, so, I, yeah. I get what you're saying. But yeah. I get still, what you're saying as well. Well, when I mean close is that they would they know each other. Like, yes. We yes. always say, was the perpetrator known to the victim? Yes. Okay, okay. Yes. Got it. That's, that's always a thing in classification. Mm-hmm. Were they known to each other? No, I was asking like, were, Sorry, were you ever wrong in in in, in a case? Like, you had any cases before that? You know that you you kind of uh, had your you know thoughts and uh, assumptions on something, and it, it went and went left or went sour. I mean, maybe once because I had an informant tell me about a guy who was involved in a murder, but he was off a little bit wrong, and I don't want to lock up an innocent guy if he didn't do it. Mm-hmm. But I would have to tell you not to pat myself on the back, but ninety seven eight percent, I was always right. If I couldn't prove it, I knew that this is the guy that was involved mm. because my investigation, my deductive reasoning or evidence I gathered or talking to people leads to this guy. I may not have enough to either arrest him right now or go after him, but he's involved. Gotcha. I know he was. You know what I'm saying? Jay Master J. Jay Master J. Let's, let's talk right. about his case now. Right. Well, Jay Master case is a personal case to me because, wow, man, because uh, I was part of that. Uh, I got asked to go back and to investigate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I got asked by certain celebrities that called me. I say, hey, Derek, you know, the police are messing this case up. You need to come back and, and you need to get involved. Um, there were two big celebrities that called me, mm-hmm. spoke to me. I said, okay. I went back. I knew the lieutenant who had the the, uh, Robert, the homicide squad, Rich Bellucci, really nice guy. He said, Derek, you know, I could use your help. I'm having problems. But the two detectives from the 103rd, they were just, they were good guys. They were just coming down too hard on these people, you know? Mm-hmm. And you can't force people to say stuff right away. Like, you better tell me or I'm going to arrest you. Or You can't deal with people like that, especially in this industry or right. in the streets. People don't always come back. you got to try to befriend them and be friends with them and try to let them see that you're sincere about what you're doing, mm-hmm. you know? And in Jay's case, it was, it was sad because I got involved right from the start. And I had resistance too, don't get me wrong. When I came back from the funeral with Lydia... In the car with me and uh, another, her girlfriend, the cops pulled me over in my car with two detectives. And they said, Derek, I'm taking her into the precinct now. With her, mm. without, I'm going, the one detective, the white detective, was aggressive. He's like, I'm going in your car. I said, no, you're not. He's like, I am going in your car. I said, you're not going in my car. I said, let me get the lawyer on the phone and we'll, we'll work this out. So we went to the precinct. She met us there. But I yelled at the black detective that was there because I said, yo, you guys are messing this whole thing up, bro. I said... This dude is out of control. Like, you got to control him. You know, he was like one of those hard, He, he like he said, Derek, he's the type of guy that's like one of those hard-nosed detectives. I get it. Right. But this particular case, you can't, if you see I'm here, I said, I told Bernie, I said, Bernie, if you see that I'm here and you know me, you know the type of guy I am, you got to corral this guy. He can't be going crazy like this. He's going to screw, screw things up. Then they're, they're, they're not going to want to open up. I mean, he had them so upset in the car, like they were going to be arrested that they didn't do anything, you know, and, it just, it, there was just a lot of problems in that case. Mm. A lot of problems. I, I, to go on it, we would be here to another two hours. Yeah, you're trying to leave. Yeah, well, it's, it would be a lot. So I don't want to even bring it into that. I'm glad that the guys that were responsible are brought Did to Did you justice. know they were responsible before they were responsible? I wrote about it in my book. Mm. That they were responsible. And I hit it right on the head. How did you know that? Because I did the investigation of the case. I knew that they were involved. And talking to people, evidence that I collected and gathered... I knew that they were responsible. You think somebody snitched on somebody else? Yeah, of course. They snitched. 
You know, I don't think the case. I'm being honest with you. The case is not over yet. There's still going to be more people to get picked up. Mm-hmm. You'll see that before trial starts. If it goes to trial, you're going to see some more people. I watched an interview with uh, It's AG. Yeah. TV and um, and you were saying the same thing you're saying now that you think that more people are going to get picked up. Yes. Yes. The feds are not going to. So you wrote about in your book. You named the two perpetrators that were named. Yes, I did. You named them. Yes, I did. And uh, one of the guys were mad at you, yes? Uh, the father was mad at me. Yeah. You know, at the time. But, you know, he shouldn't be mad at me. He should be mad at the people that gave his son up and everybody else. That's who he should get mad at. Right, hold on. Let's, let's, hold on. Let's slow down. <laughs> slow down. Let's, let's, let's relax. Let's relax. Let's leave it. I'm just saying that you said that the father was mad at you. The father had stated that? Yeah. Well, he said it on the video. I, I was. I you ever met him before? No. So my thing is, one last thing is that you said you wrote that in your book. So you putting? Do you feel that you solved the case before it was solved, or you feel like you might have jumped the gun? I solved it before it was solved. And, and I'm you, confident in that. Say you're that. confident in that. Saying that. Did you get any credit for it? Uh, people congratulate me now, saying you were right about it all along. I mean, I got a lot of phone calls. From and when me. did you write this book? 2006. Mm. And you mentioned the two names. I mentioned the two names. It's in Notorious COP. I know. Hold on. I mean, yeah. the name of your book. <laughs> so, 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 slow down. Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. And nobody would listen to you. It wasn't that nobody would listen. It was the DA's. The DA didn't want to go with the case because he wanted more, more information. He was running for judge at the time, so he had an election coming up. He's running for to be a judge. He doesn't want to mess up his judgeship. He's not going to take a high-profile case and then lose it. He wants more information. He wants to do this. And he probably didn't want to be assigned to it at the time because he was running for judge. Why do you think the feds... Do you think the feds might have used your book to, to pin these gentlemen? They came and saw me. They came and spoke with me. And we went over a lot of things, the feds and I. I mean, they gathered what, they gave, what I gave them and what they had already. Did they, they, did, they gather, case, they, did they gather more? Yeah, they gathered more. And how were they able to find out that, you know, certain details about GMJ, what he was involved in? Well, I already knew all of that. I, knew. I mean, I didn't ask. I just asked. Okay, well, I, it was already known, pretty much. But, again, they took it the federal route. The ATF was involved. If you notice, they said, thanks to the ATF and NYPD Cold Case Squad. I used to work in Cold Case, so. I remember. I know, and I used to work with ATF. So I know how they work. So they did a great job by, you know, looping in one of the bad guys who was out and bringing him to justice because the other guy's already incarcerated. Did the people in the studio cooperate? They did somewhat. Some tough people over there in that neighborhood. Yeah, there is. Somewhat. Very tough. I talked, listen, I talked to a lot of people in the neighborhood. And put some respect over there and on Hollis' name. They're very mm-hmm. some standard people over there. No, there is, there is. I talked to some people, yeah. like Jay's friends and people I knew and people that came out. You know, and couldn't really get information that you wanted at the time. No, no, because you know, streets doesn't. Yeah, always talk. There's no snitching rule. Everybody doesn't want to snitch, but sooner or later things come out. Whether it be today or tomorrow or next year, it comes out. Hmm. You just have to be patient and wait. And you feel like more people are going to get incarcerated? Yes, I do. Do you feel J- JMJ was also a hit? Yeah, it was planned. 
It was planned. You think it was meant to kill him? Uh, no, I, I mean, based on what happened, I think it was spontaneous. It just happened. Like, you know, happened at the spur of the moment. Because hmm. hmm. in your opinion, it would be meant to, you think it was supposed to be a booking. Booking mean uh, robbery. Do you think it was meant to be, you think that, you know, because... I don't know who killed who. I wasn't there. I'm just saying, like, in your opinion, your professional opinion, do you think that the person that is alleged to kill him or the people or whatever, because I don't know if it's true or not, but do you think that it was meant for him to get killed or to get robbed? I think it was pretty much to send a message. I don't think that the, the killing was so intentional. It just happened. I think the robbery might have been something that happened. Yeah, I would go back and say that. Mm -hmm. And the killing just happened, like, boom, like that. You know? Okay. Any final words, G, for this wonderful gentleman we had over two hours? Um, over two hours. Definitely plug, you know, plug, plug the book and everything you got, you know, anything um, coming up for you? Well, I do, hours. I do, but I can't. I, I do have something coming up. I'm waiting to see what happens. Okay. Whoa, hold on. <laughs> uh, two big, two big things actually. Okay. What's the two big things? Well, I don't know if I should say it yet. Yeah, yeah. Feel free. Feel free. Feel free. Yeah. <laughs> you want to know it, but I ain't gonna say it. What they gotta do it? No, I can't say it right now. I gotta wait. And I will if, if it does come out. I'll say it to you when it comes. We'll see. That defeats the purpose, though, because it's gonna be out there. So why would you say it to me when it comes? Everybody would know. It, it, it defeats the purpose. But you don't want to talk. You also, there's also a rule that you don't talk about anything until this, until it's out. And yeah. my partner said that to me. He said, "You're like evasive on things, and you don't. When it comes out, then you'll talk." I said, "Yeah, because there's a reason for that. You know, you don't want to jump the gun with something and and say something that shouldn't have been said. You have to wait until it comes out. Like with Jay, it came out, so now you can uh, elaborate on it and say, listen, this is what happened. Yes, and this is what I think's going to happen, which is probably going to happen.'" Two big things that's going to happen regarding, what, a murder? Uh, one's going to be maybe uh, a big case involving a big rapper. And the other one's going to be uh, maybe something else. TV, maybe. So mm. what's the case involving a rapper? You can talk about that. <laughs> ah, it's an analyzation of his case. Which one? I can't tell you which rapper. But who? Come on, you can't, what's, which case? You're going to see it. He's going to see it. I, I, I covered a lot of information, so he might be mad at me, too. <laughs> Because I, I find a lot of things out. So. What year was this that this happened? This situation happened? <laughs> you always want to look at that computer, right? What do you, you got in there? Like this? Well, <laughs> I mean, what, what year did this happen? Uh, I can't say that. You can't say the if year. If I tell you 2008, you're going to look at 2008. That's not going to be the year. But, but what's the year? <laughs> tell me the year. You can't say the year, Derek? No, no, I can't tell you the year. Because you're going to figure it out. No, I'm not. Yeah, you're not that stupid. You're smart. <laughs> you're not that stupid. <laughs> you're smart. Guy. Is it a new rapper? Or is, okay, is he a veteran? Uh, uh, see? Uh, I'm just going to say he's a rapper. Is he a, okay? You can't say is he new or a veteran. You can't I say can't that. Can't say that. No. Kinda, How big kinda. was the case? Big. It was a big case. <laughs> Did someone lose their life? Or you can say that. You don't have to say that. No, 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 no. Like I asked the same question, but different. <laughs> no, no, no. Same but different. You're to turn it around. You like a, like a DA, right? I'm, no, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> the no, I didn't say you like call me a DA, G? Don't do it to my friend uh, like that, man. The vets attorney. Don't talk to him uh, like D. that. D. Are you crazy? This guy. You better not give one of those. Hold on. The vets attorney. What? Oh, <laughs> mm -hmm. call me a DA. You tell him chill. 
don't so don't you bought do the bottles yeah. of beer how many beers <laughs> oh remember the movie in la oh you thought that point i like movies man movies that get you oh. Dude, you remember that right yeah, yeah you don't remember that Bart Menace to society. society yeah he cool, man. Yeah, he's not cool, man. I love I'm movies, brother, man. That's G, a good movie. G, you and I can probably go back. Oh, I'm, gonna... I'm a movie guy, too. See, this is... This oh, is I knew it, man. I knew Me it, man. We go back to, like... I always tell people about the movies and stories, and they go, yo, man, how you, you remember that movie? Exactly. Like, yeah. I'm a line guy. Movie line, you know what I'm saying? Movie, oh. I do movie lines, too. Uh-huh. Yeah, the movie lines. Let's stop. <laughs> so, <laughs> this case that involved this rapper, right? <laughs> it was extremely big? Yes. It was on the news? Yes. Interesting. Hmm. What year was it? Ah, you, I can't say. You can't even tell the year. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not wait, six. But we'll wait and see. We'll see what happens. Mm. We'll so, but see. how old is it, though? It's old. It's old. So, <laughs> but, but you uncovered a lot of stuff? Yes. And they're about to, what, lock this rapper up, you think? Uh, not lock him up, but put a lot of stuff out there. You know, that, that happened. You know? I know you're thinking, man. I can see. All right, what borough is he from? <laughs> All over. From five boroughs. <laughs> what borough is he from? From you, the five boroughs. No, he's not from the five boroughs. <laughs> you can't say the borough he's from neither. No. Derek, I, what, what can you? I know give the borough. You're gonna know. I know the borough. Nah, I ain't gonna say it. Yeah, it gotta we'll be. We'll just wait and see. It gotta, it gotta, it gotta, we'll it gotta just be. Wait and see. It gotta, it gotta be. be the big home. We'll, we'll wait and see. Um. Well, wait, hold on, Derek. <laughs> Give me something. I, I love the rap community. I do. I love rap. The rap. Music, I love it too. But give me something. But I don't like the violence. You know. Did somebody get hurt from this case? You said nobody died, but did somebody get hurt? What was? Um, so, all right, so nobody. You don't want to say the rapper. You don't want to say what borough he's from. What? You can't even say what happened in the case. What does it involve? No, no, I can't. What does so it you're involve? Gonna know, you're gonna know. Man. I'm not gonna know. You got that computer there? I'm not. I'm like, not. I closed the computer. NYPD confidential. I closed the computer. Tell me. Nah, I can't. I can't, I can't. I can't, I can't say I anything. I gotta. I gotta let it Nothing at all. Nah. If it comes out, I would definitely be the first to tell you. How's that? Do well, the, how did you get the information for it? I looked it up. Well, I did some investigation. I did an investigation. What year you did the investigation? <laughs> Yo, yo, why leave are you alone, man? Well, yeah. it, it recently? <laughs> I can't say that. But why would it come out now if it's old? Because people want to know. I'm sure the public wants to know. The people are going to want to know the, tr- the real truth about how things are. But certain things, how they go down. Mm. It, it's more, why would it's it come more, out of nowhere, though? It's more of an explanation. It's not like, like I was involved personally in the case, but it's more of an explanation of why things happen with certain people and why, why things come out like that. It doesn't necessarily... Uh, well, no, I can't say that. So it's, you're putting you're putting it out on your own in the blog, or is is it coming out in the news and stuff? It's coming out in the news and stuff. No way! <laughs> really? <laughs> it, it'll be media mention, I'm sure. It'll be media mention. When's the la- when did you when did you get the okay that they may mention in the media? When did you get the information? When did they tell you that? Derek- uh, early this year when I did it. So you just went out to, to you just went out to discover something. It was a was it a cold case? Uh yeah, sort of. It was a cold case, and I found a lot of information out. I think the persons and people are gonna be very surprised when they find out what I've uncovered. I'm good at that. I'm pretty good at that. You know, finding things out, the truth. Let's put it that way. And you never talked about. The- Sorry, I, I'm not, and I'm not out to to discredit anyone. I'm just out to. Did tell you ever talk truth. about this on uh, it's AGTV? No, no, no. 
Uh, <laughs> Vlad ain't my man like that. You ever talked about it on any other Vlad? You ever talked about it yet? No, Vlad neither. No, so I haven't talked you... to Vlad since I talked to him about Jane. That was years ago. So you give everybody this information, but then when you come on flip the script, no, I didn't give everybody the information. Nobody really knows it yet. All right, so what's the other thing then? No, I don't even say that either because I don't want to jinx it. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I'm like that. I don't like to say things unless they come out. You know, it's always good to be that way. To be uh, how big is this rapper? He's big. The case is big, so yeah, <laughs> is big. extremely big. Extremely big. Mm. So we'll see. Let the fans guess. Mm. You might get a, a I may know him. I may want to. What's, what's your audience base? Is it a lot? Is it I, a lot of people? <laughs> a lot of fan base? Hey, hold on. I'm about to ask you that. So since you're good at investigating, did, did you investigate us? Do you know anything? Like, what's up? You ain't. No, no, you guys, no. We, we good? We, we cool, man? Yeah, we got no problem with you guys. I mean, I don't have a problem with you guys. I have a problem with anybody. No, I'm saying because you always be looking up stuff. Like, did, did you find anything on us before you came to the show? Did, did you no. look up, look us up? No. Okay. Yeah. Like, but I act- saw flipped the script. I was like, wait a minute, these dudes out of Queens. They got to be out of Queens. How you said that? Because well, it was Queen. Was it Queen Flip? But it was flipped the script, and I was like, because hmm. I never, to be honest with you, I never heard of you guys. Yeah. Like that. It's, it's okay. And there's a lot of podcasts out there. A lot of people. Yeah, extremely podcasts, a lot. You know. So. Um, you know, you guys seem like great guys. You know, he says you you guys are good guys. So yeah, I appreciate it. That's why you know, AGTV. But 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 but. He's out there. Let him go, man. He good. He good. It's AG. You know, you know what it is. No, I'm a Don and No now. He gonna tell him the car. We just gotta keep. We gotta keep it now. Now we just gotta keep it alone until it comes out. Okay, just ask his last question for me. Now I let it go. Who called you and said it may come out in the media? Was it another cop or somebody in a high position, like a DA, a judge, or no, the producer of the show? Mm. <laughs> oh, I got it. You it'll be out. It. You'll see it. It'll so be it'll Netflix, be big. Yes. It'll be big. Yeah, I got it. You ain't got it. It should I be did. big. Right, so, so, so tell, think, me, tell me. Tell me off after you finish it. Tell me I off, off air. I want to know if you got fall. it in the fall. Yeah. Plus, I got you know. I can tell you this. I did get asked to to do a homicide series. For TV, nice. You know, because nice. there's old, there's a couple of cases that people didn't know about, and of course the woman called me, and she's like, a lot of this wasn't known back then when they were trying to go out with the case, and then I kind of filled her in and said there was more to it than that, because I, you know, I listen, I was involved in a lot of cases, so you know, I have a pretty good memory of a lot of my cases, like refresh, like I, the, okay, the murder conviction you just called me, you guys familiar with that, Barry Sheck. I'm free to prisoners that they've been in jail for like 30 years for murder they didn't commit. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there was a case that I got called three weeks ago where I locked up a guy for some murder in 94. And uh, they're out. But the DA said, one of the defendants said that they're trying to sue because they see money now. Because I had another case that was involved where the guy did the same thing. He got $2 million. It wasn't my case. It was another detective's case. But the DA said, Derek, you're the only person that remembers this case. And I said, that guy's guilty mm. as hell. He should never get that money. And I said, I was there. I, I had to go bring him back to, to court. I said, the only reason, I asked her, what was the real reason why the case didn't go the way you wanted it? It Was it detectives, police, sloppy police work? She goes, no, it was a little bit of the DA's office fault. They, they didn't do a 90, you know, certain procedural Errors happened in the case. And then there were some conflicts where a witness recanted. Oh, I never did said that. They, the cops made me say it. There's always that always comes out. And then uh, this particular guy is definitely guilty. And then the case I just had, 
The guy tried to say that I had talked to a cop that knew the guy who was his godson who was wanted for a murder. And they were shooting in the projects and they shot up a bodega owner who was closing down his gate. He got hit. He was an innocent bystander. He got hit with a bullet, hit him in the shoulder and neck. He died three days later. So I went out and got the guys. I locked them up because we did good police work. I knew that they were not from this area. And I had my people in the street tell me where they came from. So I kind of latched into one guy. And once I got one guy, I got the other. But they were saying that I went on a boat with their uncle. And the uncle, this is how they found me. They're trying, you know, they're trying to make things up now. And I said, I, I knew about his uncle. But his uncle wasn't a good friend of me. It was another detective he was friends with. But that had nothing to do with the case because... His godson or whatever, his nephew, whatever the guy was, was a bad kid. And he also killed another girl, killed the baby's mother in the Bronx in front of her four-year-old kid. So he was definitely bad news at that, that time, you know. So that's how I got him, too. He was on the front page of the news, and I went and got him. So a lot of these cases are coming back now. It's like crazy the way things come back 30 years ago. Like they come back to you, mm. and then, you know, people call me because they say, wow, you had knowledge of this case. And I did because there were a lot of problems with it. You know, certain every case is not a walk in the park. There's some cases that we call slam dunk. And there's a lot of cases that you have to go out and work and to bring positive results, you know, because you want to do it for the family. You want to do it for the victim, the family, especially if somebody innocent gets killed, you know, that a drug dealer, I'm not trying to be hard. He gets shot. He, well, it's, a, it's called an occupational hazard, right? That's his business. But if you get somebody shot that's innocent and has nothing to do with anything, Right. Those cases bother you, or infant getting killed, you know, babies getting killed. Those cases get more of a priority because they, you know, you want to make sure you get the guy who did that, you know? So, okay. So, that's it. He's, not, he's, <laughs> he's on that computer again. Looking. He's not happy. He's searching. He's not. You'll know, you'll see. Ronald Pulse, my man, one time, man. Ronald Pulse. <laughs> I know you probably won't give him Ronald Pulse, but I'll give him Ronald Pulse. Give us, your, give us your social media and everything, please. Yeah, it's um, uh, I I got two things. You got Parker Consulting. Okay. My brother has that up. He's consulting, and you have, uh, they can go on the book, Notorious Cop, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, uh, and go that way. You know, other than that, it's, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I mean, it's not hard to find me. I mean, like I said, I'm around. You know, <laughs> what what do you do now? I see you have a con you have a, a firm now. A security you, company. Yeah, sec you know, yeah. I do security and stuff. I and I do a private investigations. And believe it or not, a lot of people do call me for cases, private cases. Mm. I mean, nothing bad. What you may have suggested earlier, but people do call me about personal things that they need looked into, and you know, I'm able to help them. Not really. It's reasonable. Safe. But you know, I, I don't like to do uh, husband and wife cases. Those are pain in the butt. Mm. But I like to do more in, in, in big investigations, gotcha. like money laundering, things like that. Gotcha. You know, gotcha. those are good cases. All right, he's over here still. He's looking at the computer again. No, 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 no. We'll no, come man. up. We'll come up with it. You got you guys, it. Man. You guys are great, man. I mean, you know, my pleasure being here. Glad you guys had me coming. Nah, appreciate it. appreciate you being here, man. You know, it's a lot to talk about. We don't have the time. I could be here forever. Nah, yeah. it is. You know, a lot of stuff we still, you know. It's dope. It's dope, man. It's got. It's all good. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sign up. No, don't get up yet. Don't get up yet. We gotta okay. sign up, man. One second. One second. One second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are they trying to get about it again? Dope episode. You know, we like like you said, we could be here all, all day, all, all week talking about different cases, but we we gonna be gonna end it right here on a good note. You know, I feel like it was a good episode. It was good. 
You know what I'm saying? Uh, make sure y'all follow the pages, man. At Queens Flip with a Z, at DJ G Money 156, at Flip the Script Pod, at Picky Eater Show. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's going by the time the episode aired, the uh, you know, we will have everything up and running. The episodes Facts. will be out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. Yo, this Queens Flip man, I'm here. Uh, shout out to my man Derek Parker. He didn't want to give me the information I wanted. Shout out to it's AGTV. Salute to him. Yeah, salute, salute, um, salute. You know, shout out to Basco. Shout out to Michelle, two time, mighty two time. Whoop, whoop. Michelle, one time, man. Yeah, same thing. Uh, shout out to Ebok. Shout out to JR and Smooth. Um, I like this episode. Yeah. It's a lot going on, and, uh, you know, let's see how people feel. But lock your doors, close your windows, close your blinds, open your blinds. And if you see Daryl Parker on your lawn, put it away. He don't mean no harm. But watch him because he may have a firearm from Queens. (laughs) (laughs) 